The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Solid 7 Podcast is brought to you by Hit and Skins. Hit and Skins is Central Florida's premier custom branding company, offering high-quality custom apparel, design, signage, vehicle wraps, and much more. With over 15 years of experience, they have the expertise to take your project from concept to finished product. And their exceptional service and attention to detail mean your project will turn out just like you imagined or better. Visit hittenskins.com today. That's H-I-T-T-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. And let them get to work on the branding you deserve. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, hello and welcome back, world, to a Solid 7 podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself. We're not a show about nothing, but we're also not a show about any one thing each week. I get together with a guest, and we talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And this week is no different, as we welcome our guest, Allie Rogers, to the podcast. Welcome, Allie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks for doing it. This is like, uh, like super, super flexible. Like we had never spoken to each other, messaged, DM'd, like carrier pigeoned anything in our lives prior to like, I don't know, maybe 18 hours ago. Literally. Yes. And here we not even 24 hours. Yeah. We were talking about it before we started recording. I'm like, this might be like my favorite scenario for the podcast ever. Like that's what I like. That's what's fun about this format of podcast to me. Right. It's just that it's so conversational. And so just to get to talk and figure out what you're about and what you're into, like with the listeners, I think is super cool. Um, but for the listeners to give you some, well, I don't know if it's street cred, but it's solid seven cred. Uh, you ended up here at the very strong, almost insistence of Solid 7 podcast regular Professor Rebecca Strangarity. Yes. and uh, She's amazing. She is the best. We love her here at the Solid 7 podcast. I think it, it goes back and forth with, with Becca and one of our other regulars, but I think she's our most frequent regular at this point and certainly a podcast favorite uh, favorite and when becca repeatedly tells me you should really have this person on your podcast well you listen Aww. i mean she's a professor you professors are never wrong that's what i have learned um oh, yeah. from society now is that the professors are always right and since uh, rebecca's in that crowd 
uh, you know, I have to do what she says. And so here we are. I love that. But this, oh my gosh. despite the, uh, the last minute nature of the booking today, we are still, uh, I mean, this puts you in a, in a upper echelon of remote guest. You have oh, still man. managed to obtain a Jocko go. The solid seven podcast will still as always be fueled by Jocko go. And you went, yes. you went for like the purest form. You hadn't heard of Jocko Go before I messaged mm-hmm. you if there was a Wawa around you. Which, <laughs> no, no Wawa's in California. Oh, yeah. No, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about you being on the wrong coast for sure. And yet somehow you managed to track one down, which is a feat. Where did you find a Jocko Go? I mean, there are a few places, I, but Wawa's the easiest like physical location. Right. Yeah. This was actually at the vitamin shop. Okay. Yeah. For anyone interested. Yes. And you went, you went right for a Jocko Palmer, which that's a, it's a deep, it's a deep cut. That's Jocko's own personal signature flavor. It's kind of his take, his take on an Arnold Palmer. So, so here's the deal. This, if we were talking about, this is your first Jocko go. Yes. Yes. Ah, That's always my favorite. So the deal here, this isn't like monsters. This isn't like, bangs this isn't like red bulls jocko go is actually good for you it's only 95 milligrams of caffeine it's like a cup of coffee so it's not like 300 like the crazy ones right Mm -hmm. it's there's no sugar in it it's sweetened with monk fruit uh it's got electrolytes it's got amino acids it's got nootropics it's there's some really good stuff so like you can feel good about drinking this and they taste good. Now you have selected what I'm going to say can be a controversial flavor. So we're going to, oh. we'll, we'll crack these bad boys open. We'll, we'll toast across coasts here, which is okay. an unfortunate rhyme. Uh, and, and we'll see how it goes, but I will say you very well may like it. I do like Jocko Palmer. Some people don't, if you don't just don't judge Jocko go too harshly based okay. on that flavor. All right. Shall we? I will not. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. I'm drinking a, a sour apple sniper here. This is one of my standard go-tos. Oh my so gosh. here we go. First sip right on the pod. Okay. Here it goes. I actually really like it. It's good, right? Yeah. Now, and here's it's not it's not what I was expecting. No. It's very different. Yeah. Especially that flavor. It's very different. Like to get an energy drink that's like a play off of a half lemonade, right. half tea. Now what's really cool. We had their chief product officer on a couple of episodes ago, and uh, we're talking to him about not only do they have two new flavors coming out, which mm-hmm. is, um, it, well, they're, 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 it's pink lemonade, but the actual name is pink mist lemonade. It's a, uh, That's cute. a, a reference from warfare, uh, and, uh, <laughs> prickly pear is coming out. So they have two new flavors, but then they've also revamped oh. all, all of the old flavors. So even if you like it now, if you see another can of Jocko go and it says new and improved on the top, you very well mm-hmm. may like it even better. It might go from like a 10 to an 11. Interesting. So, and if you find yourself <laughs> truly addicted now that you've had it, you can go to, jockofuel.com you can go to their website you can go to my website at solid7podcast.com and click through to their website and if you enter the uh-huh. promo code solid7 you're gonna love this s-o-l-i-d-7 you get 10 percent off look at that god bless america and they make everything <laughs> they make everything here they make everything in america it's, oh that's awesome a, i did actually notice that yeah. part that was cool it's a it's a wonderful company uh, we're, we're big fans awesome. here so i'm excited Allie. Um, yes. We're flying blind. You don't know me. I, I, I do not know you. I don't know you. 
I was giving mm-hmm. you a hard time before we started recording. Your your Instagram um, <laughs> is pretty bare bones. It's mm-hmm. it's almost got a bot vibe to it. If I wasn't talking to you in person right now, I'd be like, well, I see a lot of followers, but I don't see a lot of posts. I think we know how this goes, right? Oh like, I God. think this IP address might be in Russia, right? It's a possibility. But here you sit. <laughs> Allie's a real person. Uh, so, but, you know, couldn't even do a, a lot of social media stalking. Um, mm-hmm. Why the heck are you on my podcast? <laughs> Who who are you? Well, let's start with you gave it so we were we were trying to plan out when we might be able to record. And I threw yes. out the the listeners know uh because of my kids, I, I typically either record uh in the afternoon while uh my kids mm-hmm. are still at preschool or I record late at night after they go to bed. Let me tell you, it's mm-hmm. super conducive to try like trying to grow a podcast to be like, yeah, I know I'm not famous. I don't have any real poll. Could you record in the middle of the night with me? Like nine 15, nine 30. Um, <laughs> so, but for you left coasters, it works out quite nice. So, yeah. um, but you, but you gave it up. You're in California, Stan. Um, why? (laughs) Why? Well, I was born in Sacramento originally. And so I grew up there and, um, I left for about, I think it was about a year. I moved to Texas and I did school out there. And then I came back to California and moved back to Sacramento for about two years. And then I realized I just wanted to get like a, you know, a change of scenery. And so out of all the places that I moved to, I moved to LA. What in the world? <laughs> all right. Let's, I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions. Yeah. Let's back up here. All right. So, so born, yes. born in Sacramento. So as I understand it, I have yet to, I love this great country of ours from mm-hmm. sea to shining sea. Um, the land, the land. I love the land, but I, I've not been to California despite all of the many beauties that it offers. Cause I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I tolerated, um, you know, I tolerated uh, Washington. Uh, you know, we did some time in the pack Northwest thanks to our mutual friend, Becca and, uh-huh. and loved it despite its quirkiness and, you know, hit Seattle and we even crossed the border into, into Vancouver. Uh, but California, I don't know. There's just a, there's just a block there for me, but you, so you were there is Sacramento, like California is like a lot of, of blue States where it's not really blue. There's big blue cities. And then there's lots mm-hmm. of pretty country that really probably just feels like the Midwest. So it's where yes. Sacramento fall in those shades there. That's a great way to say it. Um, so I actually grew up in Placer County, which is one of the more conservative uh, counties in California. Like back in the day, it was right behind Orange County in regards to how conservative it was. Yeah. Um, but just, I would say in the last like five years or so, five or six years, I've definitely noticed it to become a little bit more purple, I suppose. Um, but like, you know, it wasn't out in the middle of like, nowhere clearly i mean sacramento is a big hub um but i was more so like in the suburbs and uh we moved around in that whole area a bunch of times but for the most part it was like just your average you know good old california town inland so we didn't really have the beach but we were right between san francisco and tahoe okay essentially gotcha yeah and so Uh texas for for college where'd you go I went to Southwestern University, and it was an Assemblies of God. I was going to say Southwest University. is an AG school. Yeah. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, in a, in a and pa- we had a, 
Go ahead. What? Go ahead. That? Well, I, oh, in a yeah. past life, I, I worked for an AG church for a long time. Oh, I may or may okay. not currently be on the board of a large AG church. And so I've shipped a lot of boys and girls to the, uh, I don't know if it's fair to call it a sister school, but the Southeastern over here in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Which is in Central okay. Florida. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I'm very familiar with AG. You know, we had the altar calls every single chapter or chapel. Um, and it was just, it was very Pentecostal in that sense. So, so you grow up in California, you go to Uh tech, you go to Texas, I'm assuming for four ish years. Um, I was actually only out there for a year. Okay. That might explain why you left and went back. Maybe you weren't exposed Mm -hmm. to the freedom and the brisket long enough. That makes more sense to me. You know what? When my when I was in the cafeteria one time, I remember seeing fried okra, but I thought they were chicken nuggets, and I had no idea what fried okra was. You know, California, I like we don't we don't get out much. Like we have our own little <laughs> thing going on in California, you know. And so when we see something new from the south, we're like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's great. Grabbing including a, the weather. Grabbing a piece of fried okra when you think you're grabbing a piece of chicken is kind of like grabbing a Sprite when you think you're about to drink a sip of water. Like it's just a shock. It's not that it's bad, but when it's not what you expected, it's just a shock to the system. And ogre is good, but it's kind of got that slimy vibe to it. It's really, it's, it's an experience all its own. Not into it. What'd you go to school for? Um, I studied child development and psychology. Okay. Well, that'll be fun yes. to talk about the many ways we've broke our children over the last two years. So, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, just a lot of jobs with that degree, uh, you know, with a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree, definitely not at all useless without the master's. So, uh, <laughs> you head back to California. <laughs> what, like what's back in California for you? What do you do with that? So, uh, well, at this time it was 2008 and the market, um, basically was going into a recession similar to what you know, we're experiencing. No, 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 right no, we're not in a, re- it's I've, not a re- I've heard it's not from a several reputable sources that we are not in a recession right now, but continue. We're not in a recession. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we were, uh, it was that 2008 market crash. I moved back home and I ended up just um, teaching preschool for a couple of years and, um, you know, a local little preschool. And it was really fun. And I felt like I was able to really use my degree properly in that sense. And so I did that for two years. And then after that, I moved to LA and I've been down here for nine years. Actually, it's going to be nine years like next week. And what the heck are you doing in LA? You know, I asked myself that question a lot recently. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to create an, a, you know, an escape plan to Florida um, and it's coming together slowly at Shirley. It's coming together. But, um, you know, I moved down here when I was 23 and I really just wanted a new sense of, you know, scenery and whatnot. And, um, you know, it was, I've had a lot of ups and downs in the yeah. city and before COVID, before 2020, it was a completely different city. I was living a very, you know, it, I was living life in a very different mindset um, and now I'm a little bit, you know, more refined, I suppose. And I call it red pilled. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if your audience is familiar with oh, all that. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it, it's a uh, so I mean we'll we'll get into it because like, you know like I said I, I you know I've kind of got some idea of, of some of the stuff the projects you've been working yeah. on and stuff like that now so we'll we'll get that direction uh, you know you okay. know and but we don't do like. It's not a political podcast. Like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. even know what I was talking about last week. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, crappy countries only make crappy cars. That might have been a little bit oh. po- a little bit political. We do regularly bash China and Russia, but it's not so much political. It's just that they're evil. Um, right. But uh, so I, I, do, I try to stay. I'm a pretty political creature. Always have been. Like, I remember being like 10 years old watching Russell Limbaugh's TV show. Uh, right. Like I've just always been, uh, kind of about that life, but I also like, I just hate where our discourse is at in the country right now. It's in mm-hmm. such a healthy place. We're, we're so everybody's, uh, and everybody's got blame in this. Um, anybody you disagree with is just dehumanized. It, there's no room for them to be thinking, compassionate, caring human beings that maybe just have something wrong or have a different understanding or, ha- or have a whatever. So I, I try yeah. to keep the conversation. Uh, I, I try to always present the opposite argument. I, I try to do it fair justice. I try to stay intellectually honest. I'm not one that's mm-hmm. going to break somebody over the coals over gaffes. Um, now, yeah. am I prone to saying things like maybe we should have started the podcast with you, you know, sharing your pronouns and describing for the listeners what you're wearing and where you're sitting? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sometimes a joke like that is fair game because it's freaking ridiculous. Um, right. It's a little, it's a little, little VP humor there for you. If you didn't catch, yeah. catch on to that <laughs> listeners, um, you know, but I try to, you know, I'm always pretty clear about my stance of, of where I'm, I was, a re- I'm, I'm still a registered Republican. I never describe myself as Republican anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I describe myself as a conservative libertarian, which ticks off conservatives and libertarians, which makes it that much more fun. Um, (laughs) you know, so I just, I just don't try to, to flamethrow. I try to call balls and strikes, which I I think is fair. What I, what I don't want is for, uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, atheist or liberal or leftist to feel like they can't ever listen to the podcast because I'd like for them to Mm -hmm. stick around and be exposed to, you know, like common sense and history. That's all. And the occasional hot take on a Marvel property. That too. Yeah. So that's. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's where we're at but so uh so you, uh, you end up in so what like you're not teaching preschool in LA like I don't think that's not what drew you down there right yeah no so I uh I worked as a nanny for about eight and a half nine years down here in LA so again I was using my degree um and really enjoying it honestly but then again you know 2020 hit things shut down and it became just a little bit uh, stifling. I became a little bit more apathetic towards, you know, my career because a lot of it was, you know, exciting to be able to take the kids out and expose them to new fun things. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly overnight, it's like, oh, you're home all day, you know, with the kids, right. with the whole family and no one's leaving anywhere. And so I, I hung in there for as long as I could because, you know, I'm trying to make sense of what COVID was. And so I ultimately left that job. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, you know, my my employer at the time found out that I was going to these Trump rallies in Beverly Hills. I know you don't want to get too political, but it really became a thing of like she wanted me to quarantine. And I essentially just told her, I don't want to live this quality of life. So I left that job and I just took a, a, a leap of faith. And the whole year of 2021, I just really dove into like my other, you know, passions and hobbies and things that I wanted to learn more about. 
and it just kind of get guided me to where I am today. So I'm really grateful for it. And yeah. in, in hindsight, you know, Becca did feed me a few, a few questions here and there. Okay. Um, uh-huh. and you teed up one for me, but I don't want it to be the first one I throw out, but I, I do, you know, since Becca's kind of, uh, you know, our, our crossroads here, how, where in uh-huh. this time frame did you meet Becca? How'd you meet Becca? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this would this takes us all the way back to me in high school, actually, um, and I think I was, I think I was maybe about fifteen, um, and we went on a missions trip to Guatemala, and Becca was working for the organization Book of Hope as one of their. I'm not really sure their her exact title, but she was basically you know one of the leaders representing Book of Hope on the trip and. Um, just came alongside my youth pastors and the team down yeah. there and um, was kind of, you know, an older sister figure to us all, to all the students, I guess. Um, and so I was really, really fortunate to meet Becca at such a, like, uh, pivotal moment, I guess, mm-hmm. or a really important phase in my life, especially with my faith, too. And so she's always been just such a light and I really admire her for who she is. Yeah. That's most people's, you know, you, you catch the rare weirdo like me that, that marries into friendship with Becca, but most people, most people's (laughs) Becca's origin story is, well, I was on a mission trip in this random country and there was Becca. And then, you know, most people, they, they go somewhere, they, they bring back a t-shirt, they bring back a tchotchke. No, Becca travels the world and she collects people. Aww, like she, she so just, true. oh, look, I have all these new friends from yeah. you know, random countries. So it's funny when she's on because our out of country plays go through the roof, which is nice. Oh, that, that is so cute. So, yeah, we talked a little bit last I week about that. somehow uh, our two largest countries outside of the U.S. are Japan and Germany. Not sure what's going on there, but what's up, Japan and Germany? Once again, welcome back oh. to the podcast. I love that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, so I'm sure cool. it's all Becca's doing. So I don't know what the Japan connection is there, but I'm sure there is one. It's all six degrees of Becca. Um, right. So, so and true. So you, you end up down in L.A. You're nannying. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are, yes. you, are you nannying mm-hmm. for anybody, like, in, interesting maybe? Yes. I've Excuse me. I've had some very interesting clientele. Um, but also I like to, you know, add in that I've worked for just really sweet, regular you know, normal people too. So, um, but you know, I took these jobs and I really enjoyed it. Obviously it was cool to be able to travel the world on someone else's dime and have these first class experiences and all of that. But ultimately I, I kind of got to the point of realizing, you know, if I want to continue to do this, like I'm going to be having to give more and more of like my personal sacrifice, right. Or my, you know, sacrifice of my, my life and what I want to create for myself because I was so busy investing in these families and helping these parents who didn't want to be responsible for their children, not even for one minute throughout the day, you know? Yeah. So it just kind of got to me in a sense. Um, and it was a very interesting career, honestly. I I have stories, but I mean, crazy. All right, no, that's fair. I'm willing to work for it a little yeah. bit. Let's try and narrow this down. <laughs> have you nannied in a home that had? <laughs> now Becca didn't tip me off. Okay. <laughs> this is just top notch podcast hosting. I'm just this good an interviewer. Um, have you <laughs> nannied in a home that had a Grammy in it? 
Oh, yeah. I I mean, yes. I don't know if I can disclose the name. I figured I, I figured not. Yeah. That's why we're just going to ask just enough questions to make it slightly less okay. vague and then just let people's speculation run wild. Uh, right. Have you yes. have you nannying in a home with an Oscar in it? Oscars a harder actually. get. They give out Grammys like yeah. candy. Oscars a tough get. Yeah, Oscar. No, actually, I've never. I don't think I have. Not not to my knowledge, but I, you know, I've worked in like more amusing kind of things. Is I've worked in homes that are like fully staffed with like you know a private chef and a and a chauffeur and you know the couple lives on the grounds and takes care of like the whole house and the grounds and then each of the children have their own nanny and there's a private jet and then there's this and there's that. And it just, it all becomes like this whole thing. And it's, it's a very interesting world. If, if, if gun to your head, you had Uh to name a movie or a television show in Mm -hmm. which we could view a previous employer of yours. Could you do that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you want me to name it? Are we talking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that narrows it down way more. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, the the Be an Apartment 23. Okay. Do you know that one? I, I know I know of it. That was an old yeah. old show. Um, Is that the same Blues? actress that played Bridget? I was going to say Bridget Jones, but that's a whole other thing. Who was the one yeah. Marvel superhero that was just on Netflix? Not the same actress. Oh. Anyways, it, I have no it doesn't idea. matter. Okay. Um. Anyway, the, he also was on Varsity Blues. Oh, and kinda... and now we've got a heat. The series or the movie? The movie. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Now, listeners, if you really want to know, you could probably narrow it down from those. Two. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of crossover in the cast between mm-hmm. those those two pieces yeah all right so pretty interesting yeah and then one of the other really big you know people that I worked for he produced a really big show that ran for seven several seasons um where people get to audition to sing and then it's a singing competition okay if you're picking up what I'm putting down Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then um (laughs) he also managed one of the biggest pop star girl bands of our time. And so it was a very interesting, uh, you know, home to be a part of and see how it all operates. Uh, you know, you'll be shocked to, to hear that my knowledge of popular, uh, girl, like pop girl bands is lacking. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it's a hole in my intellect. It's un- I un- unfortunately, I would have never guessed. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I don't spend a lot of time windows down. Even too. I don't know that I could like uh, Spice Girls. I feel like that's as close as I can get to naming a girl pop band right I now. Mean, but that's dating myself there. Yeah. So just a <laughs> just a little bit. I don't believe they have been. They're more girl band than pop at this point. Pop, if if pop yeah, is for popular, is then I think they're out of the genre. So. Yep. Yeah, maybe. So is so you're you're in that you're still doing that like when yes. when COVID hits. In your end, so we've yeah. actually had a guest on the podcast and listeners should, should be coming back around, uh, Alex Rodriguez, who was in Wuhan when everything popped off. 
I can't wow. remember if she was doing missions work. As a matter of fact, to whoever's assigned from the Chinese government, the CCP, to listen to the podcast, because one of the few countries on the planet Earth you can't find this podcast is in China. I've had that verified. It's a badge of honor. Uh, but as a matter of fact, I'm positive that. she wasn't doing uh, missions work. She was doing whatever she told you she was doing, and and that's all. Mm. Um, that might be accurate. I don't know. But I but she was there, and so that's a crazy story. <laughs> but I feel like an equally crazy story to those of us who weren't in those areas is to have experienced COVID someplace like not just California, but LA specifically um, mm. or, or New York, where it was just such mm. a vastly different response in experience from a lot of the countries, certainly from places uh, like Florida, which just took a totally different approach um, right. throughout, certainly after those, you know, those first, first few weeks and months. So, like, how long did you stick it out with the nannying? Well, well, A, like, how quick did things just get draconian there? Oh, man. I mean, okay, so it was kind of, you know, unfolding in, like, March. I remember I went to Disneyland on March 11th, 2020 for my friend's birthday. And I remember thinking, this might be the last time that I'm going to go to Disneyland like this. Like, it was already kind of, like, in my you know, my mind space of like, oh, things are going to get really weird soon. Like things are starting to get like shut down. Yeah. Like we almost didn't go to Disneyland because of COVID kind of thing. And I like remember car- I was carrying around like a bag of um, wet ones basically yeah. and like sanitizing everything before <laughs> we touched it. Yeah. And Because I, you know, for the first couple of months, I was really taken by the virus. Like yes. I was just like, oh, you know, we don't know what this is going to do. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, felt, right? that felt fair and reasonable very yeah. early. Yes. Right. When I like agree. you're seeing how yeah. transmissible it is and we, and we don't know the mortality rate, but they're kind of feeling out what they think it is and you're going, okay, well I can still, I can do basic math. And so, and I've got a calculator on my phone. So I know how many people mm-hmm. are in this country. And if the, if the R not is as high as they're saying, if it's as transmissible as they're saying, and 2% of those people are going to die. If you remember really early on, it was like this thing could have a mortality rate of 2%. It's massive. Right. It's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's big for something that transmissible. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, this really is a lot of people. So if, yeah, we were, we were legitimately then, freaked out then. Totally. And then not to mention, you know, we're getting these videos coming in from China of people, you know, passing out face down on the sidewalk randomly. And it's like, it was like scary. It was was a scary environment for a while. Right. And so, yeah, the, I remember things just really shut down very quickly. I was sent like home from my nanny job for a month and they continued to pay me. Um, And it was just a very weird time. I remember, you know, driving around and like looking at places and I'm like, I've never not seen people here. And so it was really interesting to like take it all in in that way. Like driving down the 405, no one else is on the freeway, but you like, when's that ever going to happen again? I have to pause you there real quick. We like a nice rabbit trail here on the Solid Stone podcast. Are are Californians aware of the way we, the rest of us hate the way you guys talk about the freeway system in your state? (laughs) What do you mean? I mean, you guys throw out like numbers for like 
a everybody talks about the 405 all the time like you're like you're like you're yeah. name dropping somebody famous which you just chose not to do but then you kind of name dropped the the freeway or the highway which is kind of the same thing uh, but then yeah. you take that to the this number to the this number it's like talking to somebody in the military with all their acronyms you guys drive the rest of us mm. i mean do it you've earned it like if you've got to put up with living there you talk about driving around there however you want but the rest of us are that always is like actually so true oh yeah you know we say like are you taking the 10 or yeah do you take the one or the 10 it's a whole all thing the, time. the five yeah it's, and it's the in front of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. like it's yeah. the only one you i mean you guys know the rest of us have highways right like nobody runs around florida talking about the i4 let's do, <laughs> do you get here on the four we wouldn't do that it's not a thing so <gasps> So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. hop on the 95 and go up to Atlanta and drive through their traffic and slit my wrist. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else does that. It's just, it's very Californian. Just California. Anyway, so it's, it, you know, you're driving around in the walking dead. It's weird seeing things. Normally it's very, so, very, I mean, what is the population of like Metro LA is an insane number. I don't remember what it is, but it's too many people for 11, the amount of space. 11 million. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. So crazy, right? Oi. Yeah. So all of us, you know, sent home. And then for those first two months, I mean, like nothing was open. Like I remember I had to buy a coffee machine because I didn't own a coffee machine. And I realized I can't just go down to Starbucks and get my coffee anymore. And (laughs) just like an awakening in all senses, right? I'm just like, oh, I was relying on all of these things that my city offered me, you know, without really considering you know my independence on it yeah right and i guess that's just kind of living in a city in general is like you just rely on you know the system there but anyway um and then it was like the masks people are obsessed with the masks like outdoors as well and you know eventually i think people started to come out and like go hiking and I was like, we're coming out of like <laughs> our like little like wood cabins yeah. and all like feeble and scared. Um, and then ultimately, you know, as the summer hit, I think people were still really locked down. It's really hard to remember actually all like the step by step, but even just like the surfers, like people tried to go surfing and they got arrested yes. for surfing in the middle of the ocean. And so things kind of like that started to happen. And it just got kind of like weird for a while, right? And then that's, you know, where when I went under my red pilling and my, you know, I went through like a metamorphosis. So when you put it that way, like, you know, you you went to an ag school right that doesn't ju- yes. that doesn't just happen we're not it's not like you go to notre dame and you're like oh i'm a catholic like if you're at an ag college <laughs> you're you might not be pentecostal but you're a christian there's no other reason you're you're going right so i'm assuming Absolutely. you had a, a relatively conservative upbringing or at least had some uh, meaningful conversion salvation experience at some point on your own yeah Yes. Yeah. Born and raised in the church for sure. So then when you say red pill, does that mean just like you, you were becoming, was that a shift in your personal politics or was that, cause that can mean a lot of things. It can also mean a lot of people are just cruising, right? Like, um, it, it, it makes me like sad and ill and angry all at the same time when I see these men on the street interviews, um, oh where like gosh. people can't tell you who the first president of the United States was. I mean, just, just sure. anything. Um, 
so bad. So it can also like red pilling can can also mean and because words do they do have meanings. Uh, but it can also just be almost kind of like a political awakening, right? Like I've always been a phrase. I, I always have cringed a little bit uh, when people say, you know, oh, I'm not into politics, right? Because I'm a big believer. Oh, I'm a big believer in, well, politics is into you. Like whether you participate <laughs> or not, like it's going to yes. impact your it's going to impact your life. And not participating yeah. is kind of its own its own decision anyways, right? And that that apathy yeah. doesn't do any of us any favor. So all that to say, well, your version of red pilling, was, was this maybe like a, a shift in political beliefs or just more of an awareness of, oh, the things these people are doing really make my life either better or worse? You know, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I was born and raised conservative. I like you, I listened to my mom listened to Rush Limbaugh, so I would hear all of it. I grew up on all of those, you know, news cycles or whatnot. And um uh, you know, I 2020 hit and things just weren't adding up for me. And before 2020 and even, you know, the 2016 election, I I like followed it. I was like up to date on everything. Yeah. I would do Snapchat like breakdowns for my friends to help them like understand like who was who. And I would be like, oh, this, you know, Ben Carson's weaknesses and in, in, in straight or yeah, weaknesses and strengths. And then I would go to the next candidate. And then always when it got to Trump, I was like, there's no way he can run. So I'm just not going to, or he's no way he's going to win. So I'm just really not going to get into it. But, you know, the news really started to attack him and, and create this momentum behind him. And I just turned to Twitter because Twitter was such a thing back then. And I really started to like read everything that Twitter had to say about Trump. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, this makes sense, you know? And so I started to say, I didn't leave the conservative party. The conservative party left me. <laughs> and I just felt like, so, um, I just felt so like homeless in a yeah. sense, politically homeless, really, and became a little bit more moderate and in the same sense, asleep. Yeah. Like I just really, I wasn't keeping up with anything. I believed what the news said and, you know, it got me to that point in 2020 when it all started to hit me of like something else is going on here and I need to look into this deeper. So so uh, let's 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 get some landscape here. Let's get some perspective. Yeah, I'm told I'm not supposed to ask female guests their age. What was the <laughs> first presidential election you voted in? John McCain, 2008. Look at you. Yes, man. Yeah, McCain. He was a, a special creature, all his own. I never got. To, I never got <laughs> to meet John McCain. I had a family member uh, that was assigned to his office as, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but he liked to have naval aviators. So I don't know if it was supposed to be attache liaison, but he'd have an officer assigned to his, his office. He liked to have naval aviators for obvious reasons. This family member was a naval aviator aviator. So he spent some time working at McCain's office. So I've been in the office. I stood behind his desk, but he wasn't in town at the time, or I probably wouldn't have been standing behind his desk. That's my tiny little John McCain story. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a voting for McCain. That's a, that's a deep cut. I mean, that's not mm -hmm. like uh, you know, whatever, but so. I mean, well, I was born, I was raised to literally like not trust a liberal yeah. for the life of me. So there's no way I was going to vote for Obama clearly. And then obviously in 2016, I didn't vote. You, I didn't vote because I was like, do you vote, party do you vote in the primary? What? 
I did not. Are is it are the California's primaries open or closed? They're open. Actually, you know what happened in 2016? It was like something weird happened in that primary, I believe. And California didn't even need to really vote. It was already like chosen in a sense. That kind of happens to us sometimes. Sounds about right for California. No, yeah. I can't. Open yeah. open primaries have never made sense for me. It's like, uh, you know, on the football field, like the other team's coach hops on the radio and uh, gets a say <laughs> in like who goes in on the next play. I'm like, that doesn't. But it is right. like, uh, you know, Florida, we've got closed primaries. It's part of why I'm still a registered Republican because it's I, I want to participate in the, in the primary. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go participate in the libertarian primary because that's a waste of everyone's right. time. And uh, exactly. uh, we got we, we if we if we end up with time for, uh, you know, news and events, there's just so many great ones right now that I'm sure you'd be primed to oh. talk about. That would be so fun. There was a new one today uh, that just cracked me up. Um, but uh, huh. we, we have a new political party. I don't know if that hit your radar today with everything else oh, going I'm... on with threats from China and we're not in a recession. Yes. There's just a lot. There's just a lot. Um, a lot going on. But yeah, so yeah. I'm still registered as a Republican so that I can participate nice. in the primary. I can't, I want to say that primary, I probably voted for Rand. Mm, 90, I wish I voted for him. I'm 95% sure that I voted for Rand in that primary. Okay. Obviously didn't get him. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was the craziest primary ever. Just everything... You know, love him, hate him, right or wrong. And we can call balls and strikes uh, on Trump. I've got no problem with that. I've said on the podcast, I've said on the podcast many, many times, uh, I didn't vote for him the first time around. I didn't vote for Hillary. I did vote. I didn't vote for either one of them. Um, Okay. But uh, because, you know, I'm... Uh, you know, I'm not the most, I, you know, it's not like I have a degree in politics, political studies, anything like that. Um, I'm just... (laughs) Uh, I'm just a, an actual patriot. I love the history of our country, and I hold because of because of characters who I, I know they're you know halfway canceled already and full canceling coming soon. But when when you look into legitimate public servants like Washington, like Adams, like Jefferson, um, and you know that they held that office, you just w- really start to hold it in a lot higher esteem. And we've lost that culturally, really, kind of since. Uh, JFK, Nixon really kind of put the coffin in the nail and every once in a while they they mm-hmm. seem to find a way to make it worse. But I just, to me, uh, Trump was just at, at the time and in some way still, I'm not going to gild the lily, but beneath the level of the, of the office, it, it just, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do take issue with some of the things he says and the way he talks and I'm still not. Uh, I've, I've said it on here before. I was pleasantly surprised with how conservative a an administration I got with Trump. Shocked me. Yeah. Shocked me. If he had stayed yeah. off social media, man, numbers uh, like approval numbers would have been through the roof. Still not conservative so enough. I, I mean, I'd trade my kingdom for a fiscal conservative, for a real life fiscal conservative. Uh, would you, I mean, we're dead without it. We're dead. We're done. Without, yeah. without some real uh, fiscal conservancy. We, I mean, we really are. And he wasn't that. Yeah. He wasn't that. Uh, you know, I've laid plenty of blame for our current financial situation. Uh, dude, I was talking about a front, like day one on this podcast, I was talking about inflation and explaining how it worked. Had, had, a, oh. had a guest take 
like take out, oh, that's not really how it works. Hey, bro, where are you at now? Because yes, that's how it works. And here we sit. But it's it's not like yeah. with with a Republican House, with a Republican Senate, with a Republican administration. It's where where were the, where were the cuts when Trump was in office? So it was we were printing money just as fast all all four years. You can blame it on mm-hmm. on COVID all you want, but that's that's what the left wants to do with with mm-hmm. their spending. So, you know, there's there's plenty of blame to go around. I just couldn't bring myself that first go around. I'm like he I'm like he just can't he can't sit in the same office as as John Adams. I get that it's not actually mm-hmm. the same office anymore. But talk, talking about right. the position, I I just couldn't do it. So I voted for somebody else and then it was just there were there were a lot of wins. There were a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah. but he just confounded like I, you know, I say I'm, you know, I'm not a poli sci major, you know, anything like that. But I'm a, I'm a student of yeah. politics. I pay attention. I stay informed. And yeah. Trump just confounded everybody. I just, there was no way he was ever going to be the nominee, right? There was, you just, there's yeah. no way. There's no way. Um, you don't have to be a pollster. You don't have to be Frank Luntz. Frank's got his own issues. Um, you, like yeah. you just don't like. It's never going to be him. And then there's just this thing, right? Like Trump, he's he's funny. He's crude, yeah. but he's funny. He's qu- he's quick witted, and man, mm-hmm. the little nicknames and the little digs, they would just stick, and they actually did damage. And then when somebody, like <laughs> for whatever reason, you wouldn't think um, that good comebacks would be a political necessity. Like when you you know when you're going to to camp, when you're going to prep for a debate, I don't think they anybody was spending time or blocks on. Okay, now if I call you this, what's your comeback? Like they just, and so when you stammer it. It made opponents look weak, whether they were or not, when they couldn't also come back with something funny if it threw them off their game. And holy right. crap, it worked. It worked in the primary. It worked with yeah. it worked with Hillary. And yeah. like our, our, our polling, our reporting, our commentating, none of it was built for a candidate like Trump who just nope. – didn't care about the press who would talk straight to people on his own, whether you liked what he was saying or not. God help you. If you try and take his phone away, Lord knows I prayed (laughs) many a night for someone to just take his phone away. Oh my God. Like just change the password. What's he going to (laughs) do? You know, so, so I'm there with you. I voted in 2016, but I I didn't vote for, for president Trump and I, I didn't vote for, Hillary. And so I still slept at night. Now come, come 2020 looking at the options. Uh, I, I voted for him without hesitation. Um, absolutely. And then, yeah, look where we are now. I mean, it's nutty, 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 but you know, I wanted to, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about Trump. Like that was the thing, you know, that deterred me away from him. And then like Twitter just had such a handle on how they were presenting the information and would, you know, easily make him to be, you know, this like villain, essentially, of course, you know. Um, But the thing that really made me see him in a different light was his interview. I don't know if you ever saw it with Dave Portnoy. Uh It just humanized him like immediately. And they were, it was super casual. I think it was in 2020, July of 2020. And uh, so they're, you know, they're outside and they were like doing the six feet apart or whatever. And Dave Portnoy was just such a great yeah. person to interview him. And he's, Donald Trump just Portnoy might be the perfect person moment. to interview him. He might be the totally. perfect person because it's yeah. it, it can't be that typical that that buttoned up. Even the experienced, you know, even you know, throw out right left. 
it just doesn't work because they don't speak his language. And yeah. Portnoy speaks Trump. Yeah, exactly. And and they're just on that same kind of wavelength yeah. thing going on. They're they're both hilarious. I actually saw Trump speak in person last week uh, in Florida. I was in Tampa, and he's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I like he had the whole crowd just going, and yeah, he's great. But the, yeah, yes, he is. And you hear that about, uh, with the exception of, I haven't heard anybody say this uh, about uh, Joe Biden. And of course, like Biden's one, I. I'm torn lately. Like, obviously, there's always this draw to question his his mental and physical capacity right now. And there are some legitimate reasons. But I tend to give Biden a pass on on gaffes, on actual speaking gaffes. One, there's things like it was either last podcast or the other. I was talking about uh, Australia during an episode and said Austria instead. You talk enough while being recorded and you're going to say stupid stuff. You do it enough totally. being recorded when you've overcome like a legitimately bad stutter. Like it's, it's tough. That's, it's, it's always a challenge. So I tend, it's when he, you know, when he's standing somewhere and looks lost or doesn't know where he's going or, you know, shaking the air has overly mm -hmm. detailed cheat sheets. Those are the kind of things where I'm like, ah, man, I'm super worried. Um, but, uh, you know, in the, the, <laughs> the gas, you know, we kind of alluded to it earlier. We've had two straight quarters of decline. GDP has gone down two yeah. straight quarters, which has been the definition for recession forever. I think Jesus might have written that down as the Jeff definition yeah. uh, of recession. And you can go online right now and find clip after clip after clip after clip of um, the, the president, the White House press secretary, uh, the, like the talking points have gone out of all the reasons this this isn't a recession. And so like the gaslighting from left and right drives me nuts right now. Like mm -hmm. everybody running around saying, don't believe your lying eyes. It's worse than it's ever been from all yeah. sides. And when I say from all sides, I want, I'm interested to hear if you re remember this clip since you were there. I think it was the event in Tampa uh, mm -hmm. when President Trump was talking about Fauci and said, oh yeah, I, you know, I listened to everything Fauci said and then I just do the opposite and I did pretty okay. Bro, that's not mm -hmm. how it went down. That's not how it went down. We, right. we lived it. We all watched it. That's not. I don't think yeah. like uh, he and there were points where it seemed like he was trying to sideline late, uh, certainly later in the process, um, sideline Fauci and he wasn't locked up with him. But bro, you like two weeks to slow the spread. That wasn't a Biden initiative. Extending two weeks to slow the spread wasn't a Biden initiative. Who was advising you to do that, Mr. President? Right. That was Fauci. Yeah. So stuff, yeah. stuff. I'm like, that's where you take, you take hits. You don't have to take like yeah. you, he, he would have owned the room. He was a rock star no matter what mm -hmm. with or without that statement, bro. We, we were all, we were all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, no, that's interesting that you, you bring up that like, you know, both sides do it. Cause I think it's one of the most important things is to remain critical of your team. You know, and that's how you advance growth and yeah. are able to reach more people is that you can have that constructive criticism. Yeah. Well, it's the only way to me that your take carries any weight in either direction, right, is to mm -hmm. is to be intellectually honest. And it's it's not when you get out into the world, when you when you turn off the news, when you turn off social media and you just go live and you interact with people. We don't all hate each other and our neighbors aren't yeah. like the, the you know, the, the like it's. 
I don't know. I'm sure it's the same over there, but it's, you know, it's election season here. It's nothing but mailers and yard signs and, and everything all over right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, you go, you go talk to the guy three houses down that has a sign for that candidate that you loathe. You're like, oh, they're trying to trample, trample my rights. But if you ignore the sign and talk to him, it's doing the same stuff with his kids. Work's going the same way. It's like, you're just in it together. You're just, you know, it's let's barbecue yeah. together. You're going to be just fine. And it's, but we, we've become so separated. We're such recluses, right? You don't even have to walk mm-hmm. outside to the car where you might bump into your neighbor. We hop in, in the garage, you open the door, you pull out, maybe you throw a wave. And so yeah. like we're, we're, we're more connected and less social than we've, than we've ever been. And that makes it so easy to, to dehumanize. And it's so easy. Yeah. And that, that stuff drives me nuts. I was thinking about today. I was, I was looking at an article about, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell being out Mitch McConnell. Um, yeah. And, uh, you, you know, it, and that just brought to mind knowing this was coming up tonight, knowing we'd probably hit some politics tonight. Uh-huh. Right. That I'm like, even the thing, you know, the, the way it went down, like with us keeping, with them keeping Garland off the bench under, under president mm. Obama. Yeah. I'm fine that they I'm fine that they did that. Um yes. like that's that's why you're you're there like res, represent your constituents and if you think your constituents don't don't benefit or don't want that justice on the bench or like that's the beauty of the Senate even if you think they do want it and you don't believe it's what's best for the country then then don't do it and don't <laughs> exactly. don't be ashamed of the political maneuvering and don't act like it's you're following the norms and the standards. Get up there and say, yeah. no, this isn't the way this is normally done. But him on the bench would be a disaster. So this is what we right. have to do. Yeah. Because I totally agree. then when you reverse on it later to install a justice yeah. for a lame duck <laughs> president, then you don't look like an idiot. Totally. Then you don't no, have to I, gaslight. Yeah. I I personally cannot stand Mitch McConnell and like Lindsey Graham and there's a multitude of Republicans that I'm just yeah. like, get out of here. Um, but yeah, that whole maneuver, I mean, that was the benefit of having the House and the Senate is like that, you know, they were able to pull that move both times and we had control over that. And yeah. uh, I totally agree that you, they shouldn't just hide behind, you know, acting like it's the normal thing yeah. when really it's a total political maneuver. And politics is politics. I mean, I, I too consider myself political as you can probably tell, but I, I appreciate like calling it out on both sides all the time. I'm like, nope, that's not being, that's not being truthful, you know? And I think that's really important. Well, I think that's part of why you saw the success of a candidate like Trump. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of why you see, so we, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but Andrew Yang <laughs> announced today <laughs> the formation of a, a third, of third yeah. party and, you know, it's, it's a, a bi, it's funny. Like they're like, Oh, we need more than two parties. And then they describe it as a, a, a you know, a, a bipartisan uh, development that, you know, pe- people are coming from all sides to form this party. Uh, but, yeah. th- but they're right in that, you know, the Trump presidency, the, the, the win in 2016, what it spoke to, I think more than anything is we're just sick of all of you people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's why he was so, you know, like what you said, like the whole structure was not built for a person like Trump because he was not a politician. He's not a politician. And that's why so many people liked him because he just went up there and did the dang thing. Yeah. 
So, so, many ways. so when you started going to Trump rallies, it was post-election. No, it was leading up to 2020 election. Okay. But he, but yes. he was president. I'm saying it's post 2016. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. But uh-huh. now, so, so COVID's popping off and mm-hmm. you know, up there, like, unless you're, well, there weren't vaccines just yet. And so unless, no, like unless, they did like the phase thing. Yeah. But unless you're like yeah. triple masked and in a bubble, you're not supposed to be out and about at all up there. And you're like, right. no, that's cool. I, I'm going to go to some Trump rallies. Right. Yeah. By myself. I showed up by myself and, you know, it was actually like, I believe it was a God thing because I had met up with a girlfriend for, you know, a lunch and then like a little walk type, you know, situation. And out while we were out for our walk, we literally ran into the, this parade of people walking down the street in Beverly Hills with all these American flags and chanting and just overall, just like, really making a ruckus and I stop one of the people marching and I'm like what's going on and she's like oh we're going we're doing the freedom rally come with us and you know I didn't have time that day but the next week I could not wait I was like there are other people out there who are worried and concerned and I'm willing to take a risk and come out as a Trump supporter for this moment because it was so overwhelming to feel alone and all of you know the awakening of like what was going on the corruption the lies like I was just I was really overwhelmed by it all and so um I talked you know I said earlier like I went through kind of a metamorphosis and I lost a lot of my friends too in LA I lost a huge probably 98 percent of my friends I don't talk to anymore just because of me coming out as conservative yeah, insane. It it's yeah, such a, a you know it's uh, you know L A is a company town, right? You know, I mean mm-hmm. it's it just is, and it's it's rare the people that that can can walk that line and be you know it's mm-hmm. odd to put it that way, but out as a conservative and mm-hmm. and make it work. And even then, it's 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 tough. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it it's amazing. I, I'm happy for it. Like to see Chris Pratt still leading man and pulling, you know, blockbuster roles. Um, you know, it's, I I bet. Especially in such a politically divided culture that we're in right now that the, you know, the media purposely perpetuates. Yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting, you know, you use the word dehumanizing and that is a very important step. If you study history, which I'm sure you have, that's an important step in the process of, you know, a genocide or a dangerous leftist rise to power. Yeah. Um, they first divide the citizenry. And I guess I'm, I'm speaking from some experience because I, I work for a nonprofit and uh, we're called Young Americans Against Socialism. And we interview survivors of communism and socialism and oppression and tyranny and all of that. So we just finished our first season and uh, we interviewed 14 different survivors from all over the world. And that was like, in all of them, that's an overarching theme that like the first thing that the people do is to divide over for, you know, in Mao's cultural revolution, it was class. Right. And you know, throughout history, they've always used class and um, the haves and have nots. 
And then, you know, in America, we see it with race, you know, and then now well, we're it's, seeing it. But we, I mean, we get it from all angles. I mean, the class attack yeah. is as strong as it's ever been. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, and it's and it's old. Like I'm sure you're aware. Like our constitution actually, in intent and for a good reason, prohibited an income tax. Mm-hmm. It, it you it, it took a well. Uh, Lincoln tried to get away with an income tax, didn't he? He might have. I can't. I, it gets muddy on that. But it it yeah. it took an amendment to be able to have an income tax, and the the battle cry of that movement was to soak the rich. It was. They need to pay their fair share. It's it's no different. Yeah. The language has only shifted slightly. I yeah. mean, it's the battle cry is still to pay their fair share. Uh, that you know mm-hmm. the the bill they're trying to ram through right now that uh, sadly Mansion caved on and uh, man pray for Kristen Cinema. Um, but I know. but it's it's another you know one of the big components. It's it's soaking the rich again. We're gonna close these loopholes. Well, you're gonna close mm. some. Oh, okay. Hey, let's close loopholes. Let's do it. Let's make our tax code fit on an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. Let's close them all. Let's yeah. let's ditch the income tax. Go back to tariffs and do a consumption tax. You want to make a mm. billion dollars and live like you make sixty thousand? Go for it. You wanna you wanna drive an Accord instead of a Maybach? Do it. Lower your tax bill. Or hey, let's do let's just do a flat tax. If it's a fair share, then let's let's all pay the same amount. Interesting. Yeah, I the taxing is, to be honest, so over my head. I mean, and then national debt, like what? And then I'm sorry, my girlfriend uh, Morgan actually she runs the nonprofit that I work for. She um she is having everyone in her life read this book called The Age of Entitlement, and she's telling me she's like talking to me about Reagan's presidency. And how he really like did the whole thing of like lowering the taxes, but then he kept the government programs. And so it was like this false facade of like, oh yeah, we can all, we can have both. Like we can pay less taxes and have the social programs. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like now we're seeing the repercussions several decades now later of like, holy smokes, that plan doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, and now we're in this I, puddle. I was talking about it. I guess it was maybe two episodes. Um, like just the dereliction of duty of how long it's been since Congress passed a proper budget, which is one of their few mm-hmm. actual uh, enumerated powers in the Constitution. It's one of the yeah. few things they're actually supposed to be doing. We haven't yeah. had a, a surplus since Clinton, yeah. which is freaking embarrassing. Now, Newt Gingrich, God bless him, shoved that budget down Clinton's throat. Um, you know, it's, it infuriates me to see Bill Clinton get credit for reforming welfare when it was, it was Newt Gingrich. It was the Republican house you know, it was, Clinton had no, had no choice. If he hadn't signed off on it they would have overridden him. Um, Oh my gosh. But uh, yeah. And again, that's where it's like, if you're, if you're a conservative, certainly if you're a Republican, like to point out that, Hey, maybe Reagan didn't get it all right is darn near blasphemy. But if we don't look at that. And call balls and strikes and go, no, you've, mm-hmm. you've got, you've got to do both things. There is, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of the counter argument of, um, per- particularly when you do targeted tax cuts in the right way, when you make it cheaper and easier to do business, ultimately you do increase your tax revenues. So you can lower yeah. the tax rate, but increase the actual revenues. But we just, 
it's not, it's not rocket science. You don't need to be an economist. You don't need to be a politician. No. You don't need any of these things to understand that you can't spend more than you make. And you certainly can't do yeah. that for decades. Yeah. To the, I mean, it's, it's enough. And to see the, the growth, particularly since, since 2001, obviously, which was its, its, its own issue, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see the growth in our national debt, to see, you know, it, the, the hockey stick that we, that people like Al Gore have presented for climate change that hasn't happened. And it's there, it's chicken little. It's always, uh, you know, the it's, it's like an episode of Parks and Rec, like the world's always ending in another, you know, 10 or 15 years always, but the hockey, always. the hockey stick is real for our national debt and mm-hmm. take pick your poison right, left. Everybody once they're in power spends like it's going out of style. Oh yeah. And the only person I can see in in any position of power talking sense and trying to do anything about it is Rand Paul. I, I was literally going to say that. The only it's one. Him. He's he's the only one that really even like has it on his radar. He's one of the smartest people I think that is probably living in our lifetime currently. But has has any I admire him. Has any family in history experienced more collective frustration? Than the Paul family, <laughs> like, like Ron's this voice in the world. And it's not libertarian, ha- like strict, like straight up libertarianism has its own shortfalls, right? It, it's not yeah. perfect. Um, but I'm like, it's just, you know, we're impressed with Nostradamus. Well, Ron Paul's track record for predictions of the way things are going to go down is way better than Nostradamus is. Why weren't we impressed with that dude? Right. And Rand's Here's just like carrying the, the torch. Alex Jones. Oh, yeah. Maybe not so crazy, but yes. yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> less inflammatory and without his it's own slightly. line of supplements. So <laughs> there true. is that. Uh, oh my gosh. It's too good. Uh, so oh so you're at these rallies. Yes. You're loving it. It's, it's some of the things that I don't get now, right? Because it's... um. You know, and and Glenn Beck was early on with with calling this out, where you know, like he wasn't really a big a big Bush fan, and it's like ig- oh. ignore the R. Progressivism is the problem. You can have mm-hmm. Republican progressives, you can have Democrat progressives, uh, and you yeah. know, for obvious reasons, they keep trying to change the language, liberal, progressive, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but Glenn Beck was early on with that, where it's like you got to stop. Only seeing the R, only seeing the D. And it it Mm -hmm. used to, you know, it just used to be that there was, you know, the differences I felt like were a lot smaller where it's, you know, maybe our differences were in governmental functioning, but our core values were the same. You were just as likely to see uh, a a, a quote unquote Democrat household flying an American flag as a Republican household, right? And Like that's that's so diverged now for for me now Becca's uh, Becca had the gall to say and I called her out on this uh, as we were discussing you coming on Kale she may yeah. know more than you which I oh t- which I took great offense <laughs> at it's it doesn't take much the bars the bars really low but like to me I I oh trace that back to like the the attack on um. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's so, there's so many fronts, right. But on our, our understanding of America, what it is, what we're about, mm-hmm. why America is exceptional, um, yeah. uh, you know, it, that's been a slow erosion that goes 
all the way back to Wilson in the early 1900s and that progressive movement. And that's when the progressives really figured out education is where this game's going to play. That's where this game is going to be won and lost. So yes, there's been attacks on the church. Yes, there's been attacks on the family unit, but we've, we just saw this shift in education where we, we don't, a, you know, that we crank out kids that if they even know, like if they could answer the question about what type of government do we have, if they would even venture an answer, they'd say a democracy, yeah. they'd say a democracy. That's not accidental yeah. that, you know, no, we have just, a republic, people. To, to have so many, so many people right now. So in, uh, and I'm an old man sitting here with a lot of gray hair. So I'm going to blame your generation because that's what the old folks do. <laughs> um, okay. just running around with like with a firm belief that America is at its core bad, mm. bad. So sad. That's it's on a lot of things. It's on, you know, we, we, we've attacked the family unit. We're growing. There's not yep. fathers in the homes. There's lots of things you know, we've abandoned God. There's lots of causes, but man, it's such a big factor that shift towards progressivism, yep. towards liberal, ultimately really what we're seeing now um, you know, with not just CRT, not just critical race theory, but, but critical theory in general, as, as we're, yeah. as we're seeing that, oh, it's a, it's a legal theory. It's not being taught in schools. Oh, well, then why do you get so ticked off when we say, Hey, you can't do that in schools. Um, yeah. but, uh, it, it's just a, a hatred for America, for the American way of life. And it's like, it's yeah. never been about like, let's not recognize, let's not acknowledge our faults. But we are different than any other country in the history of the world. We have brought about more good. We have fought more evil. We have lifted more people out of poverty than any country in the history of the world. But that's not going to continue to be the case if we abandon the principles and the values that got us there. And we, we used to be okay with teaching those values and those, we used to teach civics. We used to want to create good citizens, educated citizens. I meant yes. it's, it's probably the most random thing on a, on a podcast that'll talk like the latest Apple devices, uh, and Terminalist being a fantastic show and, uh, you know, rather not visions ever coming back to the Marvel universe, uh, mm-hmm. that I talk about Alexis de, de Tocqueville, like being impressed, yeah. being impressed with the level of knowledge of politics and government just in your average everyday American. And that level of knowledge and understanding, that was very unique in the history of the world in the guy out plowing the field. Like that didn't exist. And we, we understood that because we were all participants in the government. It wasn't an aristocracy. Uh, And so it, you know, we, we've, we've lost that. I've got this, uh, I used to do these, uh, seminars and I know I'm on a bit of a rant right now, but I used to do these seminars, mm-hmm. like these one day seminars for the national center for constitutional studies. So that's the group that oh, publishes cool. 5,000 year leap and the making of America and the, and, and a few nice. other, a, a few other books. Um, uh-huh. and I forget where I was going with that other than I'm like, Oh, here's a story to make me sound cool. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I don't know what it was. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool that you've just brought up that whole, you know, monologue of just what our country was founded upon and really understanding who our founding fathers were and the, the total sheer villain, villa, I'm losing my mind. Happens to be all the time. Villainization, if that's a word, they're being villainized. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and they, you know, they're being villainized as these like slave owners and all of that, but it really doesn't take much to go back in history and really 
understand and learn like the truth behind that and the you know the 1619 project the the progressives claimed that that was the first time that you know the african slaves came over to jamestown when really the americas were dealing with slavery from the 1500s and possibly even before that and the native americans even were like i've read that you know they had slaves so slavery is a thing that humans have always had to either overcome or figure out the israelites were slaves you know and i think it's very interesting like to say that you know if you're a christian nothing's bad nothing bad is going to happen to you and i you know during these last few years i'm like there's just because my worst fear is like world communism like one world government like that's what i think the end goal here is i'm just like there's no way that god would like let us live under a one world government and i'm just like "Mm." i had to like stand myself corrected i'm like i don't think that god's gonna like stop anything terrible like that you know from happening like he just (laughs) wants to see uh, you know that's a whole other can of worms to open up but like you know i was living under this facade of just like oh god won't let it happen and you know please god like don't let it happen that's my prayer but like who who really knows what's going to happen in the future but really it's going back revisiting the truth in our history and really understanding that from a personal, you know, have a person having a personal, uh, I guess, relationship with history, like yeah. take time and really understand our country's founding and the values that our founding fathers wanted for generations to come. They were so wise yeah. and they really did ask God for guidance, whether or not people want to say our country was founded upon biblical principles. It was yeah. like, and you know, that's something that we just need to embrace as Americans is that, yeah. you know, God, well, God th- has had his hand on our country and yeah. we need to recognize I think that. it's important to delineate though. They were very intentional about like they, they had just left a monarchy. They had just left a state church and they felt the pains of that. So yep. we're, we're not a Christian nation in the sense of, no, it's, it's not our official religion. It's not our recognized religion. It's, um, you know, and you can kind of overlap and say, if you want to say we were built on, on Christian principles and ideals, that's an accurate statement. It's just as accurate yeah. to say we were built on Jewish ideals. It's just as accurate to say we were built on Western ideals because they overlap, Mm -hmm. right? One of the things I I would cover in those constitutional studies, and I remember what I was going to talk about, which was I have, they sell this product and it's, I can't remember what year it's from, but it's a, it's a catechism on the constitution that was intended for elementary kids from probably late 1800s or early 1900s. And I, you could hand it to like a a senior poli-sci major right now, and I bet they couldn't complete it. Nice. It's just like that level of just base knowledge. But uh, but yeah. anyways, but we'll talk about uh, the founders would have would have said and did say that religion should be taught in schools. But mm-hmm. if you ask them what religion, they would say the American religion. And what they meant mm-hmm. by that was let's teach the ideals and principles that all of the world's great religions agree upon because there's societal value to those things. Let's teach that Mm. there is a creator. Let's teach that there is a judgment, that we are going to be answerable for our actions, right? That we're not the, we're not humanists. We're not the end all be alls. We're not the supreme power in the universe. So these four or five, six tenets that all the major world religions would would agree on. Let's teach that because there's, let the pulpit teach the pulpit. But in our schools, you can teach these things 
that we all that we can all come together and and agree on. And there's ah oh, yeah. gosh, what what document was it that I can reference and that was from? Man, I'm slack. I'd have to go look it up. I'm getting old. That's okay. More yeah. more Jocko go. That's right. Uh, we'll solve it. But I think what we lack is okay. Teach that about these men. These men. Yes. And I went. Uh, you. I mean. Your life's your own. Do what you want. But you should go back two episodes to with uh, John Reyes. I went on a massive diatribe on Jefferson in particular uh, oh, nice. uh, because of the uh, the stories about Monticello that have been in the news uh, recently with the Rubenstein oh. funding and the massive shift. Uh, to, mm-hmm. I mean, just the wokeification, if I can make up a word, of, of yeah. Monticello. And it's not the only uh, property like that that it's happening to. Um, but what, what happens is, okay, teach that they were slave owners. That's factually accurate. Teach Mm -hmm. the freaking context of the times. You can't judge them based on what you know now. You have to judge them based on what they knew then and what they were, what they were actually pushing for was overthrowing the, like these entire societal systems and how bold and how brave and how enlightened you have to be to even question those things, let alone actually push for the change. Mm. Um, And so then to still, and still, to still knock them on that, you know, it's just this, it's this macro version, the microcosm we see now of, man, I hope you didn't tweet something five years ago. That's really bad now. (laughs) <laughs> because yeah. there's no grace and God help yeah. you if you apologize. Cause it just makes it worse. Right. Um, and that's the same thing. Like they've got, our founders have some old tweets that people really, really don't like right now. That is true. Uh, and, yeah. and there's no balance for it. Right. But look at these awesome gifts they did though too. Yeah. Like, uh, and and I think, you know, an important step that, you know, is easy to overlook is, um, we have to teach our next generation the truth, the, the truth of our nation's history. And um, we have to teach them that appre- appreciation and that pride for our country, no matter how far the left wants to call it, you know, nationalization or these like crazy terms that they come up with and throw in our faces. Like you, you have to, we have to kind of stand our ground here and say, no, this is our yeah. country's founding history and it's something to be really proud of. They're so good at the word game, though. It's infuriating. Oh, they're so good at that. It, it's, it's literally their playbook. They've been using this for their entire time on history it's, and on Earth. I mean, uh, here comes my second uh, Parks and Rex uh, reference of the episode. But it's like there's <laughs> yeah. there's this cult in Pawnee, the reasonableists, right? And it's uh, it's an obvious knock on um, uh, what's Tom Cruise, Scientologists. And, uh, you oh. know, the giant space lizard Zorp is going to come back and melt everybody's faces off or whatever. Oh my gosh. But, you know, as, <laughs> as another character is learning about the reasonableness, it's like, well, they just figured that'd be hard to argue against. Like who's going to argue against the reason it's, it really is. It's literally that so often, uh, yeah. you know, and okay. I say they're, uh, you know, the left is so much better at it, but Hey, we rolled out the Patriot act, the freaking Patriot act. I mean, thanks, come on, thanks, no. Thanks, President Bush. Thank you. That's <laughs> why they're listening to I mean, me on my cell phone that's not on right now. So Right. Yeah. Turn your turn your uh, phone on airplane mode. Yeah. No, I that makes me want to go down a big deep dive on like the government and nine eleven and all of that stuff. But um yeah, the Patriot Act, I mean, in hindsight, not a good thing. No. Not a great thing. 
I mean, yeah. all kind of, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that can and, and should have happened post yeah. post 9-11, uh, things that should have happened, things that shouldn't have happened. But man, there's a lot of things that just get pitched as good. Why don't we're in the financial situation we are now? Well, I mean, we could probably do a whole couple extra hours just on the Fed. Um, mm. But like that was the first time <laughs> they you. went in and dropped the interest rates down to zero. Zero? The interest rates are zero? They're zero. <laughs> how? How are they zero? Right. That's not how things work. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so, so intriguing wild. to know what our interest rates would, would be if they were just determined by the market, if there was no Fed. <clears throat> I'd love to see what they'd be at right now. Yeah. And, but that's, that started this whole, I mean, we weren't super fiscally responsible up, up through 2001, but it, it started this mm-hmm. whole vicious cycle we're in right now of cheap money, but it didn't. Yeah. It in, low interest rates encourage borrowing and they discourage saving. And unless you have the stomach yeah. and the capacity and the capital for actual investment, it, it used to be, you know, like my whole life growing up, it was, you know, you, you get old enough, you start your first bank account and you put your money in savings. And it's like, look at the end of the month, you get your save, you get your statement and here's the yeah. money that, that you earned. Right. And so it used yeah. to be, you could actually park your money in just a standard savings account and it would mm-hmm. at least keep up with inflation. You at least weren't losing money. I mean, yeah. there's there's an entire generation alive right now that has no idea that say like just bank savings accounts used to like pay out. Like you'd earn money on them. I know. It's a foreign it's concept. So sad. Yeah, it's sad. And this was something I was talking about the other day with a friend too. It's like, is this the next generation? Because I I've been under the impression that they're just going to grow up like radical leftists, which I'm sure a portion of them are. But I also feel like this, you know, Gen Z generation is going to grow up and really like kind of come to resent like the system and maybe turn a little bit more conservative than we're anticipating because they've been played so hard. I mean, I'm a millennial. Yeah, We've been played. Certainly we've had a traumatic life existence here on earth, but um, you know, now the Gen Z, they're just coming into a system that's not working for them in any way. And it's, it's kind of, it's messed up for them right now. I'm really sad for them. Well, I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. And like, I mean, even considering COVID, like some of them, you know, they're in, they're in like senior year of high school and don't get to go to their senior prom or like they didn't get to live on campus at school. And so, really they've just been taking classes online and then they don't know anybody in their classes. So they're getting this like really cheap experience and then what they're going to go into their first job remote and live at home with their cat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, this isn't a full life for them and they're going to revolt at some point. Well, I don't know and demand better. You may have missed this, but now if you force an employee to physically come into work, that's actually, it's violence. That's actually, that's actually violence. Oh, wow. Okay. See, that is like the other thing. I'm just like, how far are we going to go with all of this? Well, and that's where I'm a little bit hopeful. Right. Because yeah, it's just going to, it's, it, it, it's, it's really tough. Like it, it's tough to read the tea leaves right now on which way things are going to go. It could yeah. just be done. Like it could be too late to turn the ship around. I, I could see it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not that many, it's just not that many steps away. Yeah. But like, there's just getting to be this glimmer of hope where it's like, Oh, 
I think the progressives might have overplayed their hand. You want me to call that boy a girl. Yeah. But if they feel like a boy later, and then I got to call them a boy again, really? Well, they might not feel like a boy or a girl at all. And so they're, they're, they're pushing now against these things that are so natural. Like you leave children we're in your wheelhouse now. So correct me if I'm wrong, you leave children to their own devices and they, they naturally identify and understand the binary genders. They, they get it. I've got a four year old son and I've got a a two year old, almost three daughter. And they just couldn't be more stereotype between the, the monster trucks and the, the unicorns and the pink and purple and the blue and uh, yeah. uh, you know every once in a while does my son steal my daughter's stuffed uh, unicorn to take to bed? Sure, but that stuffed unicorn sleeping next to a stuffed Atlanta space shuttle and Marshall, the Paw Patrol dog, so it's okay. It, it balances out, yeah. but it's <laughs> like they're they're yeah. just. This is where you see things like you want to talk about a red pill. You look at people like Jordan Peterson. You want to talk about regretting pushing somebody too far. Like Jordan was no conservative. He was no, mm-hmm. no champion. He was no political activist. And then, yeah. you know, these freaking tyrants in, uh, you know, are uh, to the North in Canada, you know, Trudeau, they're like, oh, you're going to use their pronouns or you're going to get in trouble. You know? Yeah. And then you've got Jordan in a very Jordan way going, oh, well, I, I, I bloody well won't. <laughs> I love the way he talks. I love listening to him. I love his daughter. So it's like, so now you've got this. And so you, you start to see the Jordan Peterson's shift and become a real voice and become a real driving force. And man, societally, do we need Jordan's message right now? Do young men need his message is for everyone, but man, do young men need Jordan's message right now? Uh, But you see the Dave Rubens, here's this homosexual man married to a guy a, a correspondent for the Young Turks, as left as it gets, and Dave stops and looks around and goes, oh, you guys have lost your minds. What, yeah. I, what are we doing? I can't, we're not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then freaking when you've lost Bill Maher, when Bill Maher starts to oh. sound like a conservative. And so that, I mean. that's where I'm like, it could, it could be bad, right? Like the Klaus Schwab's of the world are, are out there. Uh, you know, the, it's, it could be bad, right? Our, our population yeah. isn't our, just our general populace in America isn't as educated as they need to be, not in the things they need to be educated in. Uh, it's part of why, like I've been pushing more on the podcast lately. Now I'm actually an affiliate for Tuttle Twins. Man, uh, do your kids need the oh, tw- nice. the Tuttle Twins books? Like, you yeah. know, whatever. Skip some Starbucks. Buy your kids Tuttle Twins books. I mean, uh-huh. use my link for sure to support the podcast. But uh, everybody, everybody listening, <laughs> um, like we just need that base understanding of we don't need we don't need the dates. We don't need the minutia. You don't you don't need to be able to so- name all the signers of the Declaration of Independence. But you should understand the principles that were enshrined in the Declaration of Independence. You do need yeah. to know. Yeah. You do need to know that, and we've we've got to get back to that. Um, and this is mm-hmm. where where I you know I, I fall. 
you know, where I describe myself as a conservative libertarian is um, like we need we need the family unit back. We need dads back in the uh, right. back in the household. We need God back in our families. I just think government's yeah. a really bad vehicle for that. So I get mm-hmm. that all legislation is legislating morality. I just want to be that as as little as possible. And for yeah. me, a pure conservative wants to outsource more of that responsibility to the government than I'm comfortable with. Like I still mm-hmm. want the church to do its job. Um, and I, so I, th- yeah. I think government is a really bad evangelist for conservative principles and ideals. Um, you know, such a good quote. Yeah. I mean, that, that's human nature, right? Like we never grow yeah. out of hating because I said so, right? Like you're yeah. not going to force someone into a belief about a thing. They're go they're, they're going to yeah. resent it every single time. Does that say, oh, yeah. that, so we just allow murder until they realize it's bad and they feel bad about it? No, like you've got to draw some lines and that's part of the challenge of being a grown, thinking, responsible adult. You've got to hash those things out. You've got to have those conversations. You've got to come to those, those agreements. Um, but we've just, right. we've just, we've, we've shifted too far the one way, but I, I don't think government, no matter how much we want to. Uh, no matter how much we could succeed in legislating conservative morality, conservative principles, it wouldn't last and it, it wouldn't be affected. Um, I probably said this two episodes ago. I probably said it two episodes before that. I love the John Adams quote that we're, our system of government is wholly to, unfit to govern any other than a moral people. And you're not going to yep. legislate morality back into the people. You're not. Absolutely. It can't yeah, be done. The constitution was written for moral men. And I, 100% agree with you. Like we have to get back to actual, like having morals and tr- going back to God's truth and like deciding on, you know, what the Republic believes is the truth. Like we can't be living in the, these two alternate, you know, realities of a man can get pregnant. And then the other half of the country is like, no, they can't like, we can't have a serious nation with no. that. Yeah. No, you can't, can't be serious. You can't reconcile that. No. Yeah. And so just, you know, I think that there was a moment where a lot of conservatives were not really glorifying the idea of a civil war, but like people were just like, the only thing that's going to fix this is a civil war. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) That's a little quick there. I don't think that that's. Yeah. I don't know if that's the answer right now, but I'm a, you know. I'm a much bigger fan of of Jesse Kelly. God love him. His his push. Oh, I love him. His push for a national divorce. Uh, oh. But uh, divorce is still messy. Uh, my yeah. my pitch has always been that I would be more than willing to give the left the coasts. I want to, I want to still have, I still, I want to still have access to the Gulf. We'll take Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, take the, take the coasts, take the coast. I'll (laughs) even give you Chicago as a stopover, right? Take, take, so there, there can be like a, 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 a giant, uh, Californians will love this, like a giant 15 lane highway. So you can fly (laughs) or drive. Uh, We'll give it a fun number name. All right. We could call it the, we could call it the 15. Um, oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, you can just, you can drive from coast to coast. You can fly, you can stop over in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we could put walls on the highway so you don't even have to look out on the flyover people. You don't even have to see them or their communities. <laughs> Wait, and we'll, did you uh, see and, the, go ahead. No, it's okay. Did you see that commercial coming out of like Saudi Arabia or something with that like five mile long city that they're 
Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. It's some it's some crazy insane. Saudi prince with way too much money. And they're gonna yeah, they're gonna house is... like eight million people in it and you don't have yeah. everything's inside, you don't have to leave it. It's yeah. very uh, it's like a cross that? between the Matrix and Wally. It's very much that vibe. Yeah. Like hard, yeah, hard totally. pass, man. Hard. But listen, uh, you know, yeah. you live in a desert. You got more money than you know what to do with. Why not try some wacky stuff? I mean, they make their I own mean, islands. They do indoor ski slopes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's the next thing. It's very dystopian. Yeah, sure. Why not? But uh, but yeah, give 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 me give me the the middle of the country. Give me access to the Gulf. Okay. I'm I'm good to go because, um, how are the how are the coasts going to feed or defend themselves? How? How? Who's going to who's, who's serve in yeah. that military? Well, that's true. How long is it going to take them to realize, oh, my food doesn't come from the grocery store. That's where I pick it up. That's not where it comes from. Right, exactly. Yeah. The farmers do all of it. Yeah. In middle America. So, it, you yeah. know, it would last, what, I don't know, 5, 10, maybe 15 years on a good run. Yeah, and, fly over country. Yeah, and then we just, just take it all back. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm I'm not wholly opposed to the national divorce. It just if we just put if we'd put on our phones and our computers and turn off the news, um, particularly turn off the news and just go talk to our neighbors, it would never have to come to that. But it yeah, was you know totally you know we 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 talked on the the dehumanizing, and I, I think this is a, a good way to to segue into you know kind of what that led you to in some of the work that you're doing now. But yeah. like the 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 point about the dehumanization and that always being the first step that that point that factually historically accurate point is literally what got Gina Carano canceled mm-hmm. like she made the point that like Nazis didn't just start killing people they didn't they didn't yeah. start there right they had to make people yeah. hate you had to stop seeing them as humans first you had to hate your neighbor first and once you hate them right. and once they're less than human we we We've literally seen this with abortion over the last 50 yeah. years. You had to take this human baby and convince people that it was something not human. Otherwise, it, otherwise it, would, yeah. it would have been too horrific to, ever compl- to, to even yeah. contemplate, to even think about. But once you could sell people on that, well, uh, it's, it's Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? For real, you're going to die. You're going to die. Okay, A, people, let's yeah. not talk to snakes. Just as a general rule, don't talk to uh, snakes. Um, <laughs> but but it was that. Really? Really? It's a human? Really? It's a it's a baby? Really? Mm-hmm. That's It's this it's freaking tail as old as time. And once yeah. once it's not a baby, well, then, yeah. You're, I mean, the options are whatever you want them to be. Exactly. And so, and so we've seen it before. And so, you know, poor Gina Carano makes that point and has the audacity to be a conservative in Hollywood and now she gets to make movies with the daily wire. So all's well that ends well. I know she's so cool. But so you, you kind of start to to recognize these injustices. You, you see what we've been talking yeah. about where part of the issue is just the lack of, of knowledge of, you know, like, um, you know, just, just Western society really like we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, to, you can, you can take it back to Jerusalem. You can take it back to Greece. You got to go, one or the other. And what's interesting, yeah. one of the things that we would talk about in um, that uh, that constitutional seminar that I would do, that eight-hour constitutional seminar, was the original seal proposed for the United States of America. It was still a two-sided seal. It was the Israelites being led by the pillar of fire in the desert on one side, oh, cool. and it was two Anglo-Saxon brothers, H- Hengus and Horvath. 
Horvath is right. Hengus okay. might be wrong on the other side. But that w- it was that tie to both Judeo-Christian principles uh-huh. and into the principles of, of Western society, that Anglo-Saxon background uh, so that we had. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. It didn't end up being the seal, just like the turkey didn't end up being the national bird. Thanks, Benjamin Franklin. Um, oh, my but, gosh. Uh, Could you imagine? Hey, even, <laughs> even Ben was wrong occasionally. Um, yeah. mostly when he was whoring around Europe, but, <laughs> um, but, cool, uh, man. but yeah, it's the, you know, these aren't, these aren't new concepts. They're, they're well-established, they're well-tried. And so the, the, you know, the founders, they were students of these things. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they had read Adam Smith, they had read Bastiat, they had studied Greece, they had yeah. studied Rome and they got to learn from those mistakes. And what was, what's so beautiful about our declaration of independence, which is a legal document, um, our, our founding mm-hmm. document, and then our, con- you know, the Articles of Confederation, clearly garbage. We, uh, that was a miss. Uh, but our Constitution, <laughs> why they got it so right, why it's lasted so long. Uh, I think Massachusetts is the only uh, older functional Constitution in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, is it was written for human nature. It wasn't written for the times. That was the beauty of it. It wasn't that, oh, they didn't understand what was coming. They understood that no matter what was coming, human nature would remain the same. And they were absolutely right. And that's why those principles are timeless. That's why they continue to work so well. That's why they can be applied the same today Mm -hmm. as they were then and be just as effective. And you find where there's some misses and you, and you make some, some corrections. Um, and, and they built in a system to do that. It's why, it's why we have amendments, but that understanding of those principles so lacking, it's not coming to certainly our, (laughs) uh, I'm with Neil Bortz. I don't like calling them, uh, public schools, they're government schools. Uh, it's not coming to a government school near you anytime soon. And so you're doing some things and working with some organizations that are trying to, to correct for that. Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I, uh, work for a nonprofit We're young Americans against socialism. And, um, you know, we have an Instagram page and then we also just most recently filmed our first season of our show called the freedom records. And that's where we interview the survivors of socialism, communism, oppression, and tyranny. And um, it's been a huge learning curve because I've never worked on a show before. Yeah, I was just really, it, this opportunity was a very um, a divine appointment, yeah. I would say. Um, and, you know, it's been really interesting because a part of my job is like, I just get to research communism and oh, fun. socialism. Yeah. It's a real pick me fun. up. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I know at first I was like, I was like, when I first started, you know, really digging in, I'm like, this stuff is like really heavy. It was like one of my first, um, you know, topics that I really deep dived on was, um, the Romanian revolution and Nicholas Sarsetsku. I think the part, I know I'm botching his last name, but he, um, you know, his last speech he did, uh, you know, to all of the people or whatnot, um, his secret police opened fired on Romanian civilians and killed, you know, I think it was 160 that day. And, um, then it just ensued from there. And there was like five days of just brutal warfare going on and like a manhunt for Nicholas and his wife. And they ended up capturing them. And then they had a two day trial and they were executed on Christmas Day of 1989. 
And so that was like my first, like, just let me see what communism is really about. And crazy. And that, and then everything just took off from there. But, so. but the problem is now, like, was that real communism? Because <laughs> as I understand it, real communism still has not been tried. I know. And if we would just try real communism. If we would just try it one more time, maybe well, things would well, go better. Do this because I, I think this is, is important to understand, right? And I and it's mm-hmm. so it's fun to have like a legit you know, I'll talk about these things in generalities, but that's why I love to have like legit subject matter experts on and things, right? So this is something you, that you deep dive on, you understand. Uh-huh. Um communism, socialism, Marxism. Really mm-hmm. they get used interchangeably now. And and yeah. maybe to some degree that's okay. But like yeah. give, give the breakdown, right? Like okay. what differentiates them? Should uh-huh. we be equally afraid of all of them? Are they all problematic? Like where do they get it wrong? Uh-huh. Where do they get what? Where do they get it wrong? Okay, so socialism is an economic step for leftists to take to get to to gain more power, to get more control. And so socialism would be to seize the means of production. And we're kind of seeing that with potentially our oil supply and energy independence um, in the States right now. And that's obviously notoriously what Hugo Chavez did in Venezuela to, you know, ramp up the, um, the export of their oil. And then, you know, communism is just complete and total control and annihilation of opposition, all opposition. And so we're kind of seeing it in, in you know, different ways um, throughout, you know, American culture right now. And opposite, like annihilating opposition to me, like just, I think earlier this week, Jacinda Ardern, who's the New Zealand prime minister, the woman out there, she said in a clip that they, the government will be, remain their only source of truth verbatim. She said that. And so it's like, oh, like, you know, if you actually understood communism and knew their playbook and understood their goals here, your little, your little sirens are going off in your head and saying, this is communism. This is what they want. They want to become the only person in power. And in a sense, you know, with our, our government currently right now rejecting the term recession, that's communism in a sense. The left always has to take control of these words and change them into different meanings and confuse the people. And so nobody can really decide on what's really happening. And when you study it throughout history, you can really start to uh, draw the parallel and see the link between these red flag behaviors and then you know, what happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago? Because communism isn't like that old of a concept. I think that's also something that our generation is a little lost on. Yeah. Is that like we think, you know, communism might be like this ancient thing that is like no longer in existence. Oh, no. Like South America right now is more communist than it's ever been. Brazil is holding it down currently. Peru's getting overcome with communism. You know, Venezuela clearly is more so left. Colombia is falling. Nicaragua is falling. It's like all these different countries throughout, you know, Central and South America are currently falling. And, uh, you know, we touched on the Reagan presidency and we did this whole, um, one of our guests, 
his parents fled um, El Salvador during the Civil War in the 1980s. And um, just studying that communist group and what they were doing and and trying to research that and and realizing like, you know, America did some kind of shady stuff during that time. It was just like a very eye-opening again to realize like, you know, obviously our nation's past isn't perfect and we've had some part in world corruption, yeah. of course. Like I'm not oblivious to that, but, you know, it's just some... Um, Sorry to go off on a little tangent there, but there's definitely, um, you know, differences, but socialism is a step for the left to take. And so they always want to, they're progressive, like nothing's ever going to be good enough, right? right? So they're always just going to be pushing, pushing, pushing for more and more mayhem and chaos. And essentially that's what communism thrives off of is just total chaos. And that's why we're seeing crime and spike and lawlessness encouraged soft on crime policies all of these things really create this culture to just breed this more communist yeah. mindset this marxist mindset so i'm gonna i'm gonna play some devil's advocate here for things just yeah. um, just to, to to key up making the case or, to, or some debunking right so uh, i'm sure. immediately particularly in kind of that I, I don't even want to say socialist light right but really even you know some of the run of the mill everyday guy next door just democrats mm -hmm. that are, are kind of getting tugged along in this direction right will yeah. throw out arguments like um oh you know um you know the the police the fire the um you know social security these these are all socialist programs and you and you don't hate those where are they wrong mm -hmm. well i mean i think that any good government structure needs, obviously we need a police power. Obviously we need a fire department. Like there are necessities. I think not having those programs could create the opposite and that's anarchy. Yeah. Like, you know, if we go too small of a government, what's going to happen? So there's like this fine balance of, you know, having these structures in place and, um, that create public safety. And that's, that is one of the government's roles is to give the public safety. Yeah. And then when they're not doing that, then it's a problem. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my take and almost none of these ideas are original to me. And, um, one is that, and I've, I've shared this on the podcast before, because I think this is very meaningful to, to help find middle ground with people is I don't agree with a left, right political spectrum. Um, I, I think when there's a boot on your neck, you don't care if the boots on the left foot or the right foot. I think the political spectrum in, in actuality and in function runs from zero to 100, from anarchy to tyranny, rather that tyranny mm -hmm. is fascism or Marxism and, and rather it's yeah. anarchy all the way down at the end. And so the challenge, uh, for, for the founders was to find the right amount of government, just enough government to protect our rights yeah. without enough power to right. trample them. Right. And, yeah, and, that, and with checks and balances. Yeah. And that's where the Articles of Confederation failed. They were they were actually too weak. We couldn't function uh, as as uh -huh. a union. We couldn't. We it, it just didn't work. Um, it, it wasn't yeah. strong enough. So we had to go a, a little bit more. So like I I, I you know tongue in cheek jokingly refer to myself as a centrist, but it's because I don't want an anarchy and I don't want tyranny. I want to be yeah. locked down as close to anarchy as I can get. 
but while, (laughs) while protecting rights. And so the difference to me, one, there's that obvious delineation in that, well, establishing police and fire and, and those services and stuff like that, utilities doesn't have anything to do with controlling means of production. So there's a little bit of delineation there with socialism. But to me, those, those things, and this is a a great litmus test for judging bills and government and and judging uh, government actions is, can you find the power for that thing inherent in the people? Because good government, Mm -hmm. right government, just government always derives its power from the people. So you ask anybody, right, left, or otherwise, do I have the right, do I have the inherent right to to stand out on my doorstep? Now, I say when you ask anybody, Marxists don't like the idea of private property, period. But could I stand out on my doorstep, hose in hand, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, ready to turn on the spigot and put out an ember should my house catch on fire? Sure, Mm -hmm. I do. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that would disagree with my right to do that. But I don't want to do that. I want to have a job and spend time with my family and earn money and go do things and produce and add to society. So instead, I take my authority to do that and I get together with with Joe next door and Sally next door and we pool our authority to do that together and we hire the young man down the street to do it for us. And we say, you know what? We're going to buy a uniform. We're going to get you some hoses. We're going to get you a really shiny red truck. And if we Mm -hmm. call, you come running because we're taking our authority to protect our property in that way. We're going to extend that authority to you. That's government. That's just government. Like, uh, to me, that argument of, oh, the, you know, police is socialism and, and, uh, you know, social security is socialism. I'm not even convinced. I don't think social security should exist. I don't think it's a proper and appropriate function of government. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't think it's a socialist program. Again, in the strict right. definition of controlling means of production, it's, it's theft. Yeah. Uh, it's redistribution yeah. of wealth, which is a nice way to say theft. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, so it's like not all government, not all like combining of authority together to accomplish attack to uh, uh, to to defend rights is socialist. Like that's not the definition of socialism. So totally, using, yeah. I, I hate that counter argument of legitimate government function as like, mm-hmm. a, oh well, look, we we pool our stuff together to do that. Well, yes, that's that's civilization. Yeah. That's again, that's that's and not then, socialism. Yeah, and then on the other hand, you know, we have these Bernie Bros. which who don't even know that Bernie went down to Nicaragua and was like a fan of the Sandinistas and all of that. And then their current dictator right now, Daniel Ortega is a former Sandista Sandista, who they're Marxists. Like these guys are Marxists and, and uh, you can literally look up on Google um, or YouTube of Bernie Sanders um, talking about how, you know, good Fidel Castro's programs were and how good, you know, Ortega's programs were. And then he wants to bring those same kind of ideas to the States. And it's like, well, no, you know, and then it, they sell it like, oh no, we just, we want to create it to be more like Nordic Europe. You know, we want to become Nordic Europe and they're, they're socialists, but they're like a socialist demo, like a, democratic socialists, yeah. right? And so they do have these big government programs, but they're more just like kind of on the slow crawl to a greater socialist yeah. you know, 
setup. Well, and, right? and you so know, it looks really good and shiny. Some of them, and I don't have the specifics off the top of my head, have backed away from some of their socialist programs. But you look at the numbers on any yeah. any of them, and much like our social security program, they're unsustainable. Like they're on yeah. they're on a like they're on a path of destruction. But I also right. like I I do like to make a distinction between. Uh, uh, the, you know, say the, the Bernie Sanders of the world and I'll pick somebody at random, like the Putins of the world, right? There, there, there are these, these evil actors, right? These seekers of, of power in these spheres of communism and socialism and Marxism. I don't think Bernie's an evil guy. I Mm. think Bernie wants to help people. I think he's, Mm. And, and so the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Intentions don't override bad actions. But yeah. I think we do, you know, as somebody who would disagree with those policies, disagree with those beliefs, disagree with that form of government, I think I do myself or I think, you know, anybody that would agree with me would, would do our side a disservice in treating like everybody who's pushing that forward as evil, right? AOC, she drives me nuts. She's one of the most annoying people on the planet. So um, annoying. And so, you know, I don't, I, I think like politics was just the easiest way that she saw for herself to get famous. But again, yeah. I think it's just useful idiot. I don't, th- you know, yeah. I don't know that there's evil intent uh, behind her, her push behind socialist policies and programs. I just think she's, either not intelligent enough or not educated enough or, or some combination of the two to understand yeah. these aren't new. Like you're not creative, sweetheart. It's been, it's <laughs> been done. And that's the program that you guys are doing. It's like, Hey, we don't have to yeah. want, we don't have to wonder if this will work. Yeah. Let listen to these people <laughs> who have, who have been through this. Yeah. And so it's, it's so important to, to do those stories. Like I, I'm, I'm always a fan of history that I am, you know, visits to DC are always bittersweet. Uh, you know, there's things I love, uh, you know, standing in the rotunda of the archives is a spiritual experience. Don't at me. Um, yeah. You know, whether or not they put trigger warnings next to the Declaration of Independence or not. Um, oh, man. But, uh, you know, so it, it's always bittersweet. But but one of the things that's always very moving when you're there is to visit the Holocaust Museum in D.C. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a must visit. Um, yeah. And and one of the things there, it's very similar to the project that you're working on. You can sit in a room there. Mm-hmm. You can put some headphones on and you can listen to these stories of Holocaust survivors in their own wow. voices. And, you know, and you're, you're hearing these stories in their own voices after you've walked past their shoes and their jewelry and their, you know, Mm -hmm. their glasses and their gold teeth and their, like, you want to talk about humanizing history, actually understanding the cost. It's important to hear those stories, to hear those voices, which is so cool about what you guys are doing uh, with survivors of, of communism and socialism. Like it's real. These were real people. And it's, you think, oh, well, they just didn't do it the same. But when you sit down and listen, it's, no, it started the same way. The rhetoric was yeah. the same. The class warfare was the same. The, it, was, it was the same. It's not different. It's, it's not new. It's not creative. And, again, but, and then you get into it. There's always this component, always a component um, of, of propaganda in, in it, which is all the whole, uh, you know, Bernie can't, like, you can't run and say you're a socialist close, close soon. 
So at yeah. some point they'll, but I'll run as a Democrat. It's different. It's different. I'm a democratic yeah. socialist. It's not different. Yeah. You're just going, it's Overton window. You're just going with what you think you can get away with. AOC yeah. is not a democratic socialist. She's a Marxist. She's a Marxist. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you read of the book, um, the naked communist? Mm-mm. It's very interesting. So it was written by um, Cleon Skousen, who was J. Edgar Hoover's right-hand guy during the formation of the FBI. And basically Hoover wanted to have a protege of some sort and basically download everything that he's learned about communism to somebody else. And that was Cleon Skousen. And so Cleon writes this book about communism starting all the way back you know, from is Karl that, Marx. I'm blanking on the first. Is that the same Skousen that wrote the 5,000 year leap? I think so. I've never done this during a podcast. Mm-hmm. Hold, I'm going to go grab his book. So Ooh. I have my copy of the 5,000 year leap. Now it doesn't have a dust cover or anything. It's paperback. So let me see if it has. Nice. Now, I guess, you know, it's 2022. I probably should have just, you know, Googled Skousen. I think it is. I think it's the same. <laughs> Yeah, he wrote the five. He actually, so that organization that I do those seminars with, uh, National Center for Constitutional Studies, he founded it. Oh, no no way. Yeah. Cleon did. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so he did the 5,000-year leap. He did. They have, it's more textbook format, The Making of America. Um, The Making of America is cool because it's part like history textbook, but then it also goes through and breaks down. Yeah, Cleon. W. Cleon Skousen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, W. But uh, it breaks down Um, the whole constitution like line by line. And references yeah. like founders, other writings, original. It, it, it's the, like the best case for original intent, um, like ever. Uh, oh, but anyway, cool. so continue. Okay. Naked communist. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he wrote the Naked Communist, and um, it basically just strips down each chapter. It dives into a different aspect of communism and the goals behind it, and especially the goals of communism in the United States. And that what that's what really like originally uh, sparked my interest in communism because I wanted to kind of get down to the bottom of like when did this all start happening, yeah. right? Like I, you know, obviously it came to the states at a certain point. And so I went all the way back to like 1919 and I think it was either 1919 or 1920 when the um, uh, Communist Party USA was founded. And then, you know, they had kind of a a poor time, a hard time in the 20s because, you know, communism wasn't so great during the 20s. And then in the 30s was kind of their time to shine because of the Great Depression. And so in 1932, if you go back, you can see the the um, increase from 1930 to 1934 in members of the party. And 1934 was like the peak of the um, the membership of the Communist Party USA. And it was up to about 100,000 people were registered as communists in the United States, mainly in New York, Chicago, and San Francisco, which oddly are all huge Democrat cities still to this day. And then, you know, L.A. was, you know, the last one to kind of catch on. But, um, you know, I say all that because they had their high, they had their peak, you know, performance in the mid-30s. And then it just suddenly dropped off 
right after that down to like 20,000 members. And I'm like, where'd those 80,000 people go? <laughs> and I just started to kind of piece it together. Like, I think that they, that's kind of when they started to infiltrate the left of like, okay, you know, we'll infiltrate from within and start to really push this progressive Marxist ideology way back in the, you know, 1930s, 1940s. I've never really been able to like pinpoint, obviously, the exact, you know, candidate or the moment or whatever, because I think there was just so deeply entrenched by then. But have you gotten into and any of your research on this, have you gotten into or looked at Plymouth Plantation at all? I mean, I have some general knowledge. So when these settlements, uh, when these, uh-huh. uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the settlers, the, the trips to settle in the, in the new world that were coming from, you know, out of, out of England, out of Britain, out of Europe, yeah. um, had financial backers, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I don't remember the, uh, uh, the group. Are you going to talk about how they tried communism? They absolutely did try communism. Yeah, and they did. It was, again, and it's nothing new under sun. And what's what's so cool is, <laughs> I say cool, I mean, it was bad for them, is so the governor of Plymouth Plantation was William Bradford. And Bradford uh-huh. is uh, pretty regularly referred to as like America's first historian because he kept yeah. such detailed journals throughout this process. And we have that. So we cool. have those writings. And so yeah. he documents the failings of these, what we would now call communists. Of course, Marx wasn't born yet when they were here doing this. Um, But basically the financial backers of, of the colony of the settlement had basically delineated that you're going to live in, in a communist situation in the sense of there wasn't going to be private property. You were going to work the land. You were going to hold everything in community. It was everyone's. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And then you were going to disperse things evenly. But the problem is what they saw when you start doing that is, oh, well, when it's time to plow the field, oh, well, you know, Johnny's not feeling very good today. Now, when it's time to harvest and eat, Johnny's feeling fine, but everybody else, (laughs) but if you, if you're going to get the same amount of corn, whether you do the same amount of work or not, human, that we go back to human nature. And to me, this is, this is where, um, the founders got it so right and Marx got it so wrong. The mm-hmm. the founders recognized human nature, both good and bad, both sides of that coin, yeah. and they legislated yeah. to that. That's why, like the whole idea of of our branches of government is built around the human failing of jealousy. They were supposed to be jealous of their power and protect it from the other branches. It was supposed to work based on a human, a common human moral failing of jealousy Mm -hmm. where, where Marx missed it is communism, socialism, Marxism, all, all, you know, different parts of the spectrum of, of the same thing. Um, Humans are good. Deny, denies human nature. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it was once you, once you disincentivized the labor, the labor fell off and they were, they were failing. They were starving. Plymouth plantation was failing based on these policies. Uh And you can look at Bradford's own writings and see this. And he said, screw it. You all get a plot of land. You all get some seed. You all get some resource. And mm-hmm. what you make is yours and what you grow is yours. And it was yeah, a turning I, point. Some of my reading on that was um, just something that really like struck me as a woman, you know, 
the wives would go out in the their own their family's little plot and take care of the food and everything. And um, the women felt so much pride about taking care of their land that they even, you know, brought out their little children and let their little ones run around. And it just created a family, you know, dynamic to the, you know, that value of being independent and growing your own food. And just like, it's kind of just like a full circle of really how God truly intended humans to live is like, just everyone has like their own little plot and they take care of their family and the, the men take pride in that and the women take pride in that. And, um, it becomes this personal thing. And I think that, you know, our founding fathers figured that out so early on. And I'm so grateful yeah. that we had such leadership in our country. Yeah. So as you guys are doing these, uh, these episodes, mm-hmm. I mean, these are, these are like shows, this is video format, like, so it's, yes, it's a long form and, or yeah, a long form interview. And, um, we filmed out in Dallas, Texas at the American journey experience, which is actually one of Glenn Beck's, um, nonprofit. Yeah. I was going to about to say at the risk of being too creepy, I knew exactly where you filmed. That's one of your <laughs> very few Instagram posts. And you posted uh-huh. a picture from in the studio there. And I was, I was looking at that post today and I was reading the description. And once you started to, describe the historical items that were around you. I immediately knew oh, where yeah. you were at because I knew Beck owned all of them. I've, uh-huh. I've been, uh, I know he's very polarizing. I know some of the listeners, you're not fans and that's fine. I, you know, I'm not again, <laughs> balls and strikes. Glenn Beck's not perfect. Right. I've been Glenn Beck got his start in syndicated talk radio in Tampa. Stu was Stu oh. Greer, who's still, who, uh, still with him as a producer yeah. and still does his own, Stu does his own shows. Um, Stu uh, does America. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But Stu was with him in Tampa. And so I started, oh, cool. I, I started listening to Glenn like right after he was still in Tampa, but he had just syndicated. Uh, and it was, uh, it was before nine 11 and I've been a fan ever since I don't listen as consistently as I used to. Um, I got more into podcasts and then Glenn releases like the radio show is podcast segments, but I don't like the way it's cut. This is the format of podcast. I like, right? Like mm-hmm. throw out your, I get it. You got to pay bills, throw out the ads at the beginning. I'll skip them if I want to. And then let's, uh-huh. let's just go. Right. And so when it's cut, when it's, yeah. old, when it's more old school media and it's cut up with the ads and it's the segments, I'm just like, yeah. So I'm still pretty sure I've read, uh, if I've missed one of Glenn Beck's books, I don't know which one it is. I I still think uh, I've kept it with his books are fantastic. Um, I really love listening to him. I listen to his program as much as I can. But I was, I was totally geeking out when I saw that you were at Mercury, Mercury studios in in that picture. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. So did you get to run into, did you get to run into Glenn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he around, but crazy, you know, more private. He's crazy tall, but right? He is tall. Like I've met him maybe three times now, like book signings, and oh, then cool. like a vi a VIP, you know, like meet and greet before an event. And I'm like, you, cool. he just doesn't give off that vibe. And then it's like, hey, dude, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm looking super up tall. At you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, yeah. funny, funny. Like he used to yes. when he was doing it was more early on. He wasn't quite mm-hmm. so sanctified. Uh, he wasn't the elderly statesman that he is now. And it was more, <laughs> it wasn't like stern. It wasn't a shock jock or anything like that. 
but it was definitely rougher around the edges, his early talk radio. And I loved it. Like when he would take callers and go off, he would never do that oh now. Uh, it was glorious. Uh, the good yeah. old days. You know who but. I went and listened to? I mean, we've talked about him a couple of times on this call, but um, I found uh, Rush Limbaugh's archives and <laughs> I just went back. I was driving from Phoenix to LA this week and so I had some time in the car and it just was so nice to like hear his voice again yeah. and just kind of listen in on how almost like prophetic he was in some ways. And that I was listening to podcasts from like 2017, you know? Yeah. Well, it, what always annoyed me, which I like, I get that. I mean, Rush was a national treasure. Number one. I mean, he, uh-huh. he, he single-handedly created the, the talk radio genre um, yeah. and was the best at it from the day he started till the day he died. Um, yeah. But you know, a lot of the hits he would take, like it was just so many of the rush haters weren't able to distinguish like shtick from commentary, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesse Kelly takes mm-hmm. that same heat, but he revels in it, right? <laughs> like Jesse says things to get a rise, right? And yeah. so you got to laugh at those things and take the commentary for the yeah. commentary. Man, he calls a lot of things right right now. It gets, you know, like. Crazy. Uh, Did you just listen to one of his most recent monologues of like when people people were asking him when is he gonna run for um, office? Uh-uh. Oh man, that was good. He was like, "Listen, I don't think that you want me to run for office because I'm the person that gets up there and calls everyone a communist." <laughs> like, well, just kind of like goes off on that kind of thing. What's funny is what I appreciate about Jesse, and I think he's a little bit in the in the right headspace. And, 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 and I'll tie this back to Rush and, and what Rush would do, but like Jesse does the, the sticky stuff. Like he'll make, um, you know, uh, like over the top chauvinist remarks and stuff like that. And he's just trying to get a rise. Oh, like yeah. he, he knows yeah. his opponents can't take a joke. He knows they're going to try and take that and weaponize it. And none of his fan base cares. You can't weaponize it against him. And so, but he'll take mm-hmm. that and then he'll do legitimate commentary. And he does get right now, like. You can't be the old, we, like we can't be the old right. We're playing communists are playing a different game. Totally. They're, they're they are playing for keeps. They they do not care. You know, it, it's a different yeah. set of moral values. And so when people try and come back at him with some, you know, some of the things that they'll throw at people to shame and stuff. Now he'll he'll flat out say, "Oh, he, you've confused me with the old right. You're on the mm-hmm. battlefield now." And he's yeah. that, that's not that's violent true. rhetoric, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse's one in himself as, as a veteran, having seen war, you know, they're always the yeah. last people to be looking for, for a civil war, but you know, rush, totally. you know, rush with his things, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the voice of God, half my brain tied behind my back. It was stick. You're yeah. supposed to laugh. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm prone to some of the, the same type of comedy here on the solid film podcast, but then his, his commentary was very reasoned, very well thought out, very educated, very, mm-hmm. very intentional. And some people just couldn't separate this. Some people, you just disagree with him and that's fine. But some people just couldn't yeah. separate the shtick and, you know, he's an awful guy and he's an egomaniac and, uh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, RIP rush. What a. What a guy. I, I miss hearing so Rush good. on the air. Man, I miss Neil Bortz being on the air. Man, I miss Neil Bortz mm-hmm. being on the air. Uh, but Glenn's, I don't know if I ever really listened to oh, him. Oh, Bortz was fantastic. He was yeah. fan. Oh, my gosh. You can still, I think, like, Neil's still around. He's just retired. But I think 
Um, okay. you know, I think he does like a subscription service now where he still puts out some content uh, and you can listen. Yeah. And God help me, I can only subscribe to so many things. And if you're going to subscribe to one thing, it really should be the Solid 7 Podcast Patreon. But if you have <laughs> extra funds beyond that, uh, Neil's, yeah. Neil's a, a good a good spend. Um, but yeah, nice. but I but I got burned out. Like I need, I, I like the Bex where it is more thoughtful. I know a lot of people see Glenn as in, as inflammatory, um, you know, but like what I, what I can't handle anymore, this might be the end of our, our budding friendship here, but like I was a big Sean Hannity fan for a long time and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do the format of talking over people, not getting the, not letting them get a word in edgewise. Oh, there right. was more, no, I, there was more of like the gaslighting and stuff. I'm like, this ain't it. This isn't going to win hearts and yeah. minds, right? I get no, this I is totally making agree. you some money and selling you some advertisers, but that's not the game anymore. Like that's not the landscape. Like this is crap's real, right? Like yeah, yeah. there's, there's a country to to save here. For sure. Uh, I totally agree. I I grew up, you know, my parents watching Fox and stuff. And even my mom was like, you know, from a young age, she's like, Hannity's just too much of a cheerleader. Like, just really just didn't really do a whole lot. Right. It was just the nonstop talking. Yeah. It was a little much. It was, for all it was us, crazy and a little sad to see. Like, I mean, like, I know them, like, we're friends, but like the big falling out that Hannity and Glenn Beck had over, over Trump, it was so mm-hmm. divisive. And Beck was more where I was at, where it was just like the, the level of respect for the office. Not that Hillary rose to it, not that she, she met the standard, but it just felt like Trump was been, you know, just. The mm-hmm. like not a statesman, not the not the gravitas, and it's but what we need is something uh, in in between DeSantis, where it's um like it's it, it's that happy uh so you don't get those kind of uh, subliminal messages on lesser podcasts, DeSantis, um but it's like yeah. that happy warrior where it's like take that willingness to kind of go on the attack and go on the offensive, but mm-hmm. not be crass and hateable and whatever and. Yeah. And right. and finding you know that right mix, whether that's in common, man. I don't know how we fix media. I don't know if you can fix media. I don't know if you can't. I mean, stuff like you know, stuff like that. I mean, the the like anybody can be media, and that's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, yeah I just got done. Yeah, that is true. yeah like I did a whole dying tribe on trust but verify last week. Like I'm, I'm just a dude with a, I'm just a dude with a podcast. Don't listen to everything I say. Go look it up. If I'm wrong, come, Hold come up. back at me. Like, you gotta, like, you gotta work it out for yourself. And people feel like they don't have the time or they don't have the energy for it. Or you know, reels are more entertaining yeah. or TikToks more entertaining. As China collects every keystroke on your phone from it. I know. Um. So it, it's just tough. So uh, what's, uh, I'll try and rein it in here. It's, uh, it, it's, that's the, both the fun and like the blessing and the curse of conversations like this is it's so easy to rabbit trail on anything and everything that I we're know. talking about. But yeah, we were kind of talking about Cleon and yes, yes, yes. So yes. A naked communist. I think this is the second time we've come back to it. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, I brought it all up because, <clears throat> um, Cleon, uh, you know, in his book, he does like this whole, big, um, you know, dissection of what communism is and who the communist is and Karl Marx, which first of all, Karl Karl Marx was such a POS. I mean, this guy never held a professional job in his life. He basically abandoned 
four of his children and let them starve to death. Two others committed suicide during adulthood. So that literally means that he had one surviving child as an adult. And um, yeah, it's just, he left his family without, you know, the heater, the, the electricity bill paid. And so, you know, they would be shivering and then he would go and study. He would go like read all these like philosophers at the libraries in London and knowing that his babies were home freezing cold and that the, um, you know, the bankers would come and confiscate like baby bassinets and toys and blankets and stuff while he was just doing his lollygagging thing. So, and then also another, I guess, maybe misconception is that um, he had some sort of revolution and he never had a revolution. It was all just his writing with angles. And so it was, it's pretty crazy. But to bring it all back, Cleon Skousen writes out 45 goals of the Communist Party in the USA. And I think that they are so relevant still. Like some of, some of the goals are a little bit like, you know, wishy-washy or yeah. like, oh, okay, like, could that happen? But, you know, <clears throat> one of the first goals is like to, um, to infiltrate both sides. And so, you know, you can kind of see it from the left sometimes, but then you also have to remember, like, the right is also at risk of being infiltrated by the communists, too, you know? Another, you know, crazy one is um, provide American aid to all nations regardless of communist domination. And so you can kind of see that in how much aid that we send out, thousands and millions of dollars every year. Um, you know, to potential communist countries, like the American taxpayer funds a lot of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's really interesting. He brings up a lot of really great points and, um, you know, goal number 12, resist any attempt to outlaw the communist party. So it's just, it's pretty crazy to really dig in and read this kind of stuff and understand really where they're coming from. And it talks about like, all this kind of stuff of like the media and, um, you know, number 26 present homosexuality, degeneracy and pr promiscuity as normal, natural and healthy. So like what, you know, the whole LGBTQ, uh, movement and the, you know, the drag queen dances that we're doing for children now that are being normalized, that is rooted in communism. So these are the yeah. kinds of things that we need to start identifying in our culture of like, where is this thought coming from? Yeah. Who is encouraging this? You know? Oh, well, and, and same thing, you know, with um, yeah, critical theory, with intersectionality, uh, all these things find their roots in, mm -hmm. in Marxism. Yeah. 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 It's dangerous. Yeah. But they, but they, they change the language around it. They change the packaging mm -hmm. and they play the long game They're I mean, they're, they're patient. Uh, yeah, and it's they uh, are so patient. So what you know, as you guys are sitting down and and filming these episodes, does anything stand out as, um, like, is there any recurring themes you hear as far as them voicing concerns with things they're seeing in America now? Like, are are there some common threads of like, they're all on yeah. the same page of no, this thing that's happening, mm -hmm. like that's really scary. Or this, you know, yeah. Um. So besides the division that they experience in their country and that they're seeing here in America, it's the education system. And I think that you touched on that before. 
um, they are government schools. And even, I, I can't remember what communists said this, but they said like the U.S. education system is like a conveyor belt to kind of just convey the next generation into this certain ideology and these certain understanding these certain principles about our history, exactly what we are talking about, CRT and the Common Core, and they've really been able to warp the education system into a weapon of essentially indoctrinating young children. And that's another thing is like the communists, like no child is too young, you know, they believe in really starting as early as possible. And that's why they want free preschool. And that's why they want free daycare. It's like they can have control, excuse me. They could have control over these children at six months old, you know? So man, the the free thing drives me nuts. I was just ranting about that with like the, just go get your COVID tester. Just go get your COVID shot. They're free. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, look at Pfizer's financial reports. None of it was free. Yeah. So then the next question is, well, if I didn't pay for it, who did? Oh, well, you you mm-hmm. did. You did pay for it. You, yeah. you just funneled yeah. it through Uncle Sam first uh, for the yeah. 50% of us that, that are, you know, net taxpayers in the country. Um, but yeah. the, it's, you know, with the free, with the free preschool, with the, it's just, it's not, there, there is, we all know this inherently, like most people have heard the phrase, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But we yeah. like to believe it when we're hungry, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then we're all for it. And there and yeah. there's 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 always strings attached. There's always a price. Hey, you're actually paying for it, uh, but yeah. beyond the monetary cost, right? It's crazy. I mean, and the, so the education system obviously is being used to you know further along their messaging and. I think ultimately, you know, you touched on it too. It's like we have to get back to the family and really making the family strong again. And, um, you know, strong families create strong communities, strong communities create strong states, strong states will create a stronger country. So ultimately, get back to being, you know, a healthy family and really understanding and deciding for your family unit what that means and how you're going to teach your kids intentional lessons yeah. on history and understanding, you know, the times that we're living in. Yeah. So. Well, and that's where you just really have to be intentional about this point. Like I understand not, not everybody has the option of, of homeschool. Not everybody has the option of private school, Yeah. but you can yeah. supplement, you can send them in armed. You can use resources um, like the Tuttle Twins books, like the Tuttle Twins commercials. You can do, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, I think everybody's probably seen, if you've been in a bookstore or in the book section at Target, you see all these books that are like these little biographies written for kids, right? And they're always yeah, very attractive yeah, yeah. and great artwork, but you see uh, a lot of, like, liberal left-wing types. You see, uh, yeah. you know, Michelle Obama. You see Sonia Sotomayor. You see, and, and you don't yeah. see a lot of, like, conservative icons. And so I can't remember the name of the publishing group, but Bethany Mandel, she's easy to find on social media online, has come out uh-huh. and is doing those same types of books, but for the Ronald oh. Reagans and the Margaret Thatchers and the Thomas Souls. Heroes for Liberty? Is that it? Uh, yeah, it might be. I've always, I've okay. seen them and I've always just associated it with Bethany. I followed her on social media for a while. And so that's just okay. what has stuck with me on it. But you've just yeah. got to find those, 
those resources. You have to supplement. You have to, like, you want to be able to send your kids to school and think they're going to get the same education, the same experience that you did. And it's just a looking back, wasn't that great to begin with? Um, you know, but, uh, it, it's just not, it's not the same and you can't just outsource that education. You can't just outsource that understanding, even taking things like, um, Skousen's book, the 5,000 year leap. What I love about it is like, it's the most effective tool I've seen for, for teaching people how to understand or how to identify good government versus bad government. Um, proper mm. exercise of authority versus usurpation and tyranny. So it just goes through. It just teaches you principles, same as mathematic principles, scientific principles of you can hold these principles up to, you know, this bill, this policy, this whatever, and go, well, does it line up with the principles of good government or does it violate them? Because yeah. otherwise, unless you go and seek this out, you're not getting a tool like this. Like you're not taught mm-hmm. – you you go through, through you know, K through 12 – you go to to a, a you know a state university. You, at no point are you being taught how to identify like proper roles of government or good government versus bad government. You don't get exposed yeah. to that. You don't get yeah. content like that. And I mean, even it's now, all one-sided. yeah. And the, well, and the Tuttle Twins, mm-hmm. like they've branched out now, where they've got a cartoon. It's fantastic. I don't know if you've watched any of the Tuttle Twins cartoons. No. It's how you should spend the rest no. of your night. Um, uh-huh. But like, even their episode on inflation, like, will do more to educate people on how inflation actually works and what drives it than than sixteen years of government education. It's, I mean, it's out. It, it, Isn't it crazy? And and it's, you know, but we're st- that's what I'm saying. Like, we're starting to see some pushback. I don't know if it's too late mm-hmm. to turn the ship. It, you know, it, it well, might I be. Think, I think really like the conservative movement for a long time obviously was very complacent. But um, we also like, we were like the old Republican Party, you know, we talk about that. We were too nice. Like they didn't want to get in the culture war. They just kind of started to sidestep and sidestep and give an inch here and give an inch there. And then ultimately, you know, we found ourselves where we are. And, you know, I think it's really, um, you know, I was just at a turning point event a week ago with Charlie Kirk and um, that's where Trump spoke out there. But anyway, Charlie is such a great, you know, conversationalist and leader and he's so knowledgeable, but um, well, is that the, talking about is that the event what? that the lovely ladies at the View referred to as a, a bunch of yeah. Nazis? Yeah, the, they they tried to say that the Nazis were in attendance at the conference, oh, which yeah. was totally false. And uh, and so Turning Point ended up suing the View and got the hashtag trending on Twitter and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I think the views come had to come back like two or three times to like re-clarify their apology and re-clarify what they meant because basically turning point sent a you know a, a cease and desist letter to them and so they kind of like were i i would assume they were kind of freaking out and they had to really like backtrack a little bit yeah. on what they said because you know whoopie goldberg was basically saying like that you know we were embracing the nazis and you know maybe they weren't there in attendance but you know they they were embracing it and it's like no we weren't like you can't say that stuff anymore like this is a new conservative party you're gonna have to answer for yourself offense only 
we're not playing nice anymore. We're out on the battlefield. We're going to fight for our country. And there's no more just being complacent and lollygagging around. Like, we're going to lose the republic. Yeah. If we keep playing around. Well, and also it's like, it hurts extra when it's from Whoopi. I'm like, you were Sister Mary Clarence. What are you doing? Stop doing the view stuff. Go be go be guiding on Star Trek. Give us another sister act. Like, what are you doing, oh Whoopi? Gosh. It hurts. I know. Well, she's so far left. It's she's a lost cause, in my opinion. Uh, but, that whole panel. It's yeah. it's tough. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Joy Behar is probably the worst. Like, if I had to, <laughs> if I had to pick one, Joy's probably the worst. But and what about Kamala Harris and Joy Behar? Ty, what if you had to spend a day with one of them? <laughs> oh gosh, no, that's that's an impossible choice. That's an impossible choice. <laughs> Should we throw Hillary Clinton in there for kicks and giggles? Oh man, Hillary, Hillary, Hil- out of the three, uh, Hillary. You would, you would spend the day with yes. Hillary. Yes, here's why. Hillary's not okay, a Hillary's. She's a pure political being. She's not an ideologue. She's has no soul. She went well. I, you know, I made the same case, and I'm not sure I disagree with it now. That uh, Trump wasn't very different. Part of, part of my issues with with Trump, uh, you know, pre 2016 election, was I, I I didn't, and I'm still not convinced that I do think he has a, a moral compass. I think Trump is the moral compass. I think he. I mean, he is. He he is just a, a an ego with legs and a mouth. He he really is, and so. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think he's a bigger fan of America than I than I thought he was. So to say no moral compass, there's a, there's a little less uh, yeah. of, of that than I thought there was. But just Hillary just wanted to to be in power. I I don't think she's like AOC is an ideologue. She believes this garbage. Yeah. Hillary was just going with with what she thought could sell and get her elected. She's not. So yeah, I don't want to go hang out with Hillary. But if my choices are her. <laughs> Or Kamala or Joy Behar, it would be Hillary. Interesting. I feel like you could probably get some good, um, you know, information off of Hillary well, too. That's, she, now that I, I literally was having that thought in my head, I'm like, oh, but if I cross her, that is dangerous. You that could is, end up dead. Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> this, uh, this is. This is tough. You know, what's yeah. funny is it doesn't uh, make it, and it's not because like male, female thing. Like I, I would willing, I mean, don't give me other options. I, I, I would love to, to spend some time with Barack Obama. I don't want to vote for him. I did never vote for him. I would never vote for him in the future, but there are yeah. these, particularly in the presidency, these, there are these, uh, you know, these characters, these individuals that are so charismatic and so whatever, like, you know, right, left, or otherwise, like you always heard that Clinton owned a room, Obama owned a room, even, you know, you would hear people all the time. It was Bush always, you know, he got categorized. He's the dumb president, right? Yeah. But everybody right, left, or otherwise that you heard met with him said he was intelligent and jovial and charismatic and he wasn't a great orator. That's what dinged him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Right. So, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's where that came from him being that I'm like, look at his degrees are from i'm pretty sure he's not dumb um though again the ivies are cranking out all kinds of dumb people these days so uh, educated doesn't mean intelligent but uh so yeah i I wouldn't mind going to to hang out with uh (laughs) man those ladies yeah that's 
that's a tough choice. But it does, you know, it kind of brings me back to, you know, you mentioned kind of the conveyor belt of education. Uh, You know, it's kind of uh, mocking that moment with the VP from whatever that panel was that she was having where they were all wearing masks, which is hilarious to me. But the whole, uh, you know, like listeners, if you didn't see this, it was a a panel on whatever. It doesn't matter. Kamala Harris is hosting, chairing it, whatever. And she opens the meeting and uh, she says, I'm, Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States. I am a woman. I don't know how she knows that because she's not a biologist. She says my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue dress. Yeah. And if you don't know the context for this, that seems like a very odd thing to do. Um, yeah. but it was, you know, sharing your pronouns so other people know how to address you. And for people who are visually challenged, you're giving them that, that picture of, you know, now they have this image of you and your pants, your blue pantsuit and, and whatever. But like that, that conveyor, I bring that up to say that conveyor belt is speeding up where it's like crap like that went from university lecture hall to the freaking white house real fast. It had a brief stop in some, thank you, Mm -hmm. California, Silicon Valley boardrooms. Um, you kind of saw it make that jump first, but to see that, that quick, like that's not normal behavior. No. Did you see her Wakanda pledge? (laughs) Uh, like I saw a blurb about it and I just, I didn't even need to watch it because I'm like, yes, just, of course she did something ridiculous. Yeah. No, it's it's getting more and more more and more bizarre by the day. It's like, are we living in the twilight zone? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I I get happening? how she. Well, and what's what's funny is you know it, they're the party of like uh, you know gender fluid fluidity and gender identity and uh, you know birthing persons and whatever. And the uh, the irony of that coming from someone who was only on the ticket because she was a black woman. Oh. So true. The the party I mean, the party didn't want her. She performed horribly in their primary. Horrible. Yeah. I didn't even get one percent. Yeah. The the party didn't want her. And now that they're, you know, they don't want to run President Biden again. They don't but want him to run again. Million votes. They don't want him to run. But but they're floating <laughs> like, so who's gonna be the ticket? Her? Yeah. We, they, we could we hear- could run a fence post and beat her. Yeah, I did hear like some stir about like they're going to prop up Gavin Newsom and I'm like, good luck with that. Oh, no, here's this fresh hell. What I saw being (laughs) floated today was Newsom AOC as the ticket. Oh, wonderful. And here's the problem. We're living just far enough into the movie Idiocracy, which let's be honest, basically predicted a Trump presidency. um, Yeah. That people would would do it that's like when people like float like the rock running i'm like oh dear god we'd he would be president he'd be president i know that's our that's our electorate (laughs) (laughs) there's people that would do it just for fun yeah and just have a good old time up there yeah right it's it's the degradation of the American way, you know, I think that there are many presidents who warned against, you know, the evil and the, I think it was, um, I think it, it was 
uh, J.R. Hoover had some good quotes too about like, you know, Americans will never really understand like the evil that is out there and that's like on their shore until they're like, you know, ready to face it and understand like how evil it is. And I don't know where I was going with all of that, but everything for me always yeah. circles back to communism. But, so I'm it, just like, it's the root of all now, evil. Now, was he wearing his stilettos when he said that though? <laughs> Like, I don't know if J. Edgar's oh, our most reliable source, but it was, you know, you look back, you go look at, like, you look at how, how maligned, like, Joseph McCarthy was. He, yeah. He wasn't near as wrong. He wasn't near as far off the mark no. as everyone would like for you to believe. And so it right. does. And then they made him out to be like this crazy person. Well, and, but the problem is, right, we do. This is America. We do have a Bill of Rights. We, we do. And we do value those things. And you can't throw the baby out with the water, right? You can't sell your yeah. soul. So it's like. Um, you know, it, it gets, it gets real murky with like, uh, we have the right to freely associate. I don't need to tell you who all I've, I've met with. So it's like, um, you know, our, our system is built on, we are a nation of laws, not of men. Uh, and it is yeah. thing, you know, there are concepts of like better a hundred guilty men go free than, than one innocent man be convicted. Like it defaults mm -hmm. to freedom and freedom is hard and freedom is messy and freedom is dangerous. And so it makes it harder to do things like McCarthy yeah. was doing. And there, I think that's where he went wrong as he was a little bit willing to, to overstep the, to trample some rights to like the, the ends justified the means. And so it's like, he was yeah. right. There, there were communists it was a threat and they were influencing culture. They were influencing Hollywood, not everyone he went after. Um, yeah. but, but it was a, it was a bigger problem than you would be told now. Like now it's, he's, he's a joke, right? It was, you know, it's, but you saw boogeymen you saw monsters everywhere where they didn't exist. Well, they did, they did exist. But you can't, yeah. it's, it can be really hard to get to those things, but it's supposed to be hard, right? We value the freedom more, but our, our enemies get really adept at using those freedoms against us. Um, mm -hmm. You see that in places like Michigan with pushes for uh, like Sharia, Sharia law, which is nothing new. Like you just hit a critical mass of the populace and now you have a majority voting block. That's part of why yeah. we're not an actual democracy because in a democracy the majority can vote away the rights of the minority that's why yeah. we're a constitutional republic is the constitution protects your rights from the majority mm -hmm. for as long as it can yeah um and uh, so interesting it's it's tough so well let's i mean yeah. there's some fun current events right now besides uh Camilla's little announcement. So let's hit on some of them while we're here. Just, sure. just cause and we'll, we'll try and do this fair and balanced. Did we, like did we see our first ever deep fake of a sitting president this week? Your take. Oh man. I think we did. I, it's hard to think we did. He did not. Okay. He did not blink for, I don't know. Somebody counted how long it was. It was over five. Know. It was over five minutes. It was way too long to be natural in any way, shape, or form. So if that was beyond yeah. anything that we've yet to see. Listeners, if this isn't on your radar, this isn't just like let's have fun, poking fun 
at a president maybe we didn't vote for or aren't fans of. This is this week, President Biden, two videos released. I don't know if either of these streamed live. I'd have to go in and look it up, but two two videos. Yeah. You can go and look at these. These videos are out from this week. He's speaking on two different topics, but he's see, speaking uh-huh. from the same location in the same building. One would assume mm-hmm. these weren't back to back. It's not like it was part of the same speech where he like transitioned into another topic, but these things yeah. were filmed on the same day in the same place, indoors, not changing lighting. It would be reasonable to assume with the same equipment, the same camera, the same lighting, the same microphones. The president both looks and sounds drastically different. The tone, the right. timbre of his voice is different in these two videos. I think his hair might even be different. I think the part might be in opposite directions, but it's not like it's a yeah. mirrored image because the background isn't flipped. And and then, like you said, the 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 one video has these. The, the his eyes are like black. They're like lifeless eyes, like doll eyes. Yeah. Um, and he he doesn't blink for uh, like you can you can sit and watch the video yourself from original sources mm-hmm. for like five minutes. Yeah. Sit and try not to blink for five minutes. I, I mean, your eyes can't do it. Yeah. And so it's not natural. There's a lot of people asking. I think it's, I mean, it's kind of a legitimate question. Like, I know some people have suspicions. Maybe it's like CGI, which I'm not like a deep fake CGI, like master, but I feel like they might be different. Um, and like, you can look up even like Ted talks on deep fakes. Yeah. It's freaking nuts yeah. what they can do. They can make it seem like anybody is saying. Oh anything. yeah. Well, there's that dude online that does all the Tom Cruise stuff now. Like, even if you just go look at that's that's a guy goofing off online. And I mean, so it's, insane. So I I don't know. That's where I feel like because I think it's fair to kind of question this. Like this was odd. I think it's fair to say why are these? What was going on here? Why are these so different? And there have been some odd things about this presidency where. Like he likes to do videos and meetings and, and, and speak to the people from that like weird kind of false oval office. I think it's kind of a set. It yeah. might be uh, in the OEOB. Um, I'm like, you, you, you have the actual, like you have the oval office. It's over there. Over like I've there. stuck my head through the door before. It's impressive. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, so there's just some odd behaviors like that, but like, this is just, this is just off. Now, do I expect our press secretary to stand up there and give a straight answer as a, a legitimate answer as to why these things looked so different right after Never. she's told me that we're not in a recession and our economy is strong? No, I yeah. no, I do not. We do have a I'll, I'll grant we've this is a, a super weird scenario uh, economically, like to have the job numbers that we have. It, it's just weird. It's just weird. And it's yeah. hard to account for all factors right now. But we are in a we are in a recession. Um, how long it will last. I don't think it's going to be short, but we're in a recession and they're, they're goofy for yeah. not, you know, in, admit it and then blame it on Trump. I mean, that's what you do for other things, but to just say, no, yeah. we're not based on the same metrics that everybody's used forever. is just, it's just dumb. But the, that man, the deep fakes thing was weird. Um, so weird. Now he is, this has come out today. Um, there's been some border States, uh, that have been, Shipping illegal aliens to Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., Texas in particular, yeah. uh, putting illegal aliens on on buses and providing transportation to Washington, D.C. Um, yeah. 
Is it uh, Bowser? I think is the, uh, I don't envy the job of being the mayor of Washington, DC. I don't envy the job of a mayor <laughs> who has to deal with Congress setting their budget. Um, right. It's a tough gig, but uh, yeah. Bowser, who I believe has been a, a pretty big uh, proponent of fairly open borders and, uh, you know, immigration. So people, yeah. people aren't, you, people Sanctuary can't be illegal. State. You can't, whatever. Um, well, now that these illegal aliens are in her city instead of in cities in Texas, it's become a real problem. And yeah. the administration came out today and said, hey, there's there's some gaps in the uh, wall on the southern border that President Trump was building. We're going to go ahead and we're going to close those up. Um, they, Interesting how quickly that happened. They could have put it a different way. They could have said, we're going to build the wall. Uh, and I don't know why they didn't choose that phrasing. <laughs> um, Could you imagine? It's just like uh, the next thing you know, uh, Mexico is going to help fund it. That would be just the icing on the cake. <laughs> if, right. Uh, if the- I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, like I-, I thought the move initially, you know, I heard a lot of people with their concerns, like, you know, oh, we're just busing them, you know, further into our country. And I'm like, guys, they're never going to leave. Nonetheless, like, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever that's not the main concern here i think it ultimately did the goal of you know making the people making the mayor of washington dc and you know other states that aren't border states actually see it firsthand of like what's happening there's an invasion happening at our southern border where you know we're gonna have two million people illegal immigrants in our country soon enough if not already that you know we have no idea who these people are we have no idea where they come from what their intentions are if they're ever gonna you know answer for themselves or pay taxes or what they're gonna do here actually like who's gonna be supporting these people where are they gonna sleep what about the children that come here with no um you know adult or they're unoccupied or unaccompanied sorry um you know it's just it's so backwards what's happening at our southern border not to even mention the sex trafficking that's happening the rape that's happening you know one in three women who come up through the southern border get raped they travel with plan b because if they they know that it's going to ultimately happen these children that are being trafficked alone who knows you know what's happening to them they're poor little souls like it's just such an evil thing to do to let the border just be wide open like no again no serious nation can be a serious nation with a freaking open border well i mean we just you know we conflate and overcomplicate the the topic all of these people crying for open borders for open immigration have locks on their doors They live so in they then, live in gated communities. Yeah. They have securities. Like yeah. we we all accept that that some some border on whatever level, like your your door is a border. I mean, it, it just like it makes sense. Like we all recognize yeah. the issues on the micro level of just open and ready access. It's yeah. no, it's absolutely no different at the micro level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see the argument for it. I don't see the case for it. I, I see, you know, from the left where they see these people as potential voters. Uh, oh, of course. Absolutely. Which is interesting because a lot of the uh, the Latin voting bloc has shifted more right and conservative. Yes. 
because they do mm-hmm. still have family values. They do mm-hmm. think words like Latinx or Latinx or however you're supposed to say it are stupid. Um, yeah. And so when you're like, wait, you want who to read to my kid at the library? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, no me gusta. Yeah. Yeah, because they hold these values so closely and then they're realizing that the you know, the left is going so far left that they're like, wait a minute, we're actually conservative at this point. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit. Let's hit on at least one more of uh, – it, it, it can be separate from – I can't remember what they're calling this political party. Uh, free Freedom oh, the forward something party? or other. Yes, forward party. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, whether or not there's any any future for the forward party. Uh, you feel like America has any stomach for a third party? No, because, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like, obviously, you know, the left, I just said it, the left has gone so far left. And then, you know, that almost makes the right go far more far right. I consider myself, like, I jokingly call myself a far-right extremist because I just, I continue to become more, more conservative. Yeah. Like, nothing about the left makes me want to compromise or go more center at this point. Like, they're so batshit crazy that it's just like, at this point, no, I have nothing in common with you at this point. Um, and so, but I do see that, like, maybe a lot of, you know, OG liberals might appreciate that third party but like the movement that i'm seeing with the conservative party we're not willing to you know negotiate or compromise on anything at this point that's fair i see that but give me give me five legitimate conservatives in national office right now give me five names legitimate full-blown traditional conservatives fiscal and otherwise in office. In office. National office. Okay. That's a, a five's a lot. Okay. <laughs> but, I would say. But isn't that crazy? The five's a lot? It is. Five? Yeah, no, it is. So I would say. We have, um, we have 40, 435 representatives. Five's a lot. We yeah. have another 100 senators. Five's a lot. <laughs> I love that. I'll, t- I'll, take, okay, a, I'll just, take appointees. I'll include political appointees. You're not going right. to get to five. Oh. Nobody's going to get to five. Well, Josh Hawley. Is a great conservative, Ron DeSantis, obviously Christy Nome. Um, Ron DeSantis is state level, but I'll grant it to you. Kat Comac, I think that's her name. She's awesome. Loan Borb, Loan Morin Bobert is great. I like Matt Gates. I know he's controversial or whatever. But, and um, listen, as a yeah, as a conser- as a Floridian, man. Now I I I get I I get right like. I get opposition research. I get they're going to try and flow everything. Yeah. Man, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, smells like a duck, <laughs> man, the controversy around Matt's not. I know. Not good. Not good. Yeah. I I I loved the clip that was kind of circling. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny of uh you know the the media asking Matt you know were your comments today you know insinuating that the woman at the abortion rallies were you know fat and ugly or mm. I don't know if they use those terms and he's like yep <laughs> and yeah. he's like well what do you say to the people that are offended be offended, be offended. yes that's the yeah. I don't know that I agree with his sentiment you could probably find right. somebody attractive at those events but I agree with the response 
be offended. It's not the end all be yeah. all. It's not the worst thing in the world. None of us yeah. are so special that somebody should get super worked up over us be, being offended by something they, yeah. There's actually a great clip about that from, uh, what's Tom Hanks's kid's name that does raps at Chet Hanks. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he's sitting Chet. in it. He's sitting in an interview with a woman who, who's like, you know, what do you say to people who, you know, say that what you're doing is cultural appropriation or whatever. And basically he just blows the whole thing off. He's like, I, I don't care. Yeah. So she's I like, so that. you just think like the BLM movement, all that is whatever. He's like, yeah, that's, she keeps waiting for him to like do a butt or to equivocate. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Nope. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, right. that's the right, that's the right play. Like the right yeah. play is to start to expect people to once again, operate under sticks and stones. I may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And right. if they choose not to, it's that's on them. Mm. That's because a, can, apology gets you nowhere and you can't, you can't go far enough for them. It's the, Oh, well, if you're not anti, if you're not actively anti-racist, then you're racist. You can't just yeah. say, I'm not, I'm not racist, but are you anti-racist? Right. I'm not racist, but are you anti-racist? Well, I don't like racists. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. What am I? Am I supposed to be a vigilante? Am I supposed to be out killing racists? Like, what are you looking? I don't. What are you looking for here? Yeah, they continue. They want to just continue to agitate and like create that, you know, discontent within the culture. Yeah. And they want that that point of agitation always. Yeah. Well, so and it's part. It's, it's part of collectivism too. They don't hate the individual idea of all I can really do is control my own actions and words. Mm hmm. That's that's true. Now, when you say like you go, you know, more and more conservative, more and more right. So you're like, you're not looking for that, that third party. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably more conservative than the Republican party, conservative libertarian that I am, but Uh I'm just like, but the, so yeah, like I'm down conservative values. I just don't feel like the Republican party right now is it. I mean, it's, Mm. they're the prettiest girl at the dance, but they ain't the prettiest girl on earth. Um, (laughs) You know, keeping in mind my my podcast is is you know named based around that concept. We are we're not a ten, but we are a solid seven. Um, yeah. But I'm just like they're not it. I don't think some third party is going to come along and 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 like yeah. fix it. Um, if anything, it's just going to take you know take voters away yeah. from both sides, which whatever. I mean, well, and like you look at the multi-party systems, you know, you, you look to, to Britain, you look at Israel and like a bunch of parties isn't a lot better. <laughs> it's, it's not like things are going great. Um, I don't know the solution, but I, you know, I struggle too with like, um, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, but where the libertarian part of me comes in, it's like. Um, it's not even so much that I think gay marriage should be legal or illegal. I think there's no role for the federal government in marriage in defining marriage and whatever. Mm. And if, if the, the moose lodge down the, down the street from my church wants to, to host a ceremony for two guys or two women or, or whatever, to to get what they want to call married and they're entering into like a civil contract, like contracts between adults. Okay. 
whatever, just don't force me to do it. Don't force my church to do it. Don't force me yeah. to, don't force me to, to recognize it. Um, I just, again, to me, that's outsourcing the church's job where I'm like, there, there's no, like marriage is a religious institution. I get there's value in government encouraging strong family units. There's, there's value to that in society. But it's, those are, those are the things that get a little tricky for me. That's where, my, you know, my libertarian side, you know, diverges from my conservative side because a, a, just a straight, pure conservative would say, no, mm-hmm. absolutely, that, you know, you should legislate that and, and what's what's right and wrong and different. I'm just like, I don't know that government's not even good at it. I, like, I just don't know that that's their, you know, if, if I feel, if I believe that that, that that union, that relationship violates God's law, that that's going to separate them from God, that that's going to keep them from heaven it's my job to evangelize them. Like government policy isn't going to do it for me. And me, me voting for a law where, where the, where the police are going to come and force and break up that wedding. It's not going to get them any closer to Jesus. Like it's what's the goal. What are we trying to. Right. Yeah. So I think that in the, uh, let's see the old Testament, God, you know, my little understanding of theology and the Bible, but um, you know, God pretty is much clear of like, yeah, the law isn't going to change the heart of man. It's him that will ultimately do it. And so, but then there's also this point in conservatism of like, you know, you don't, you see the the sinful nature and, you know, take something like decriminalizing homelessness or decriminalizing drugs. Obviously that that is a bad thing for humanity to experience. So we should you know, implement laws and policies that criminalize those activities and keep the public safe from, you know, over, you know, drug use so that we're not all looking like San Francisco someday. But, and it's like, but the drug, but but the drug war hasn't worked. It's a total failure. All all we've done is fun. We always, all we've done is fund both sides of it. It doesn't work. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, that's a deeper, deeper issue, but you know, there's a line some sometimes that you do have to implement obviously laws to prevent certain outcomes yeah. for sure. And that's the, yeah. and that's, you know, we, we hit on that earlier. That's where like, it's tough to be an adult and it's tough to actually participate in society and you have to think, think some things through and you have to hash them out. And it's finding that law of, you know, what, what morality makes sense to legislate because all legis Oh, you can't legislate morality. Well then you can't legislate. So we're back to anarchy because it's all based on some yeah. some moral belief. So where's the right point to cut it off? And that point's not the same on on every topic uh, either, yeah. but uh, far less government than we have right now, I think is probably where the line needs to be. I would agree. Far less federal, yeah. far less federal government. It, it becomes, the argument changes when you break down to the state size and when you break down to county and when you break mm-hmm. down to city, it's a different discussion. Far less, far less federal government, so. Yes. Well, we've done a yeah. full-blown Joe Rogan three hours That's like awesome. that, uh, you know, potty, yeah. and, potty and book break notwithstanding. So, well, this has been <laughs> absolutely love you. Massive thanks to Professor yeah. Rebecca Strangarity for uh, yeah, making the connection. Sure. Um, 100%. Um, 
I mean, I guess it's optional, but you got to come back. You got to come do current events with us occasionally. We love, we love a solid repeat guest here on the, the solid was subliminal there, but uh, you know, we love a repeat guest on the solid seven podcast. Um, You are, you want people to come find you on Instagram. You want it to be a, you want it to be a secret. Yeah. So you're uh, uh, Allie Bell, right? On Allie Bella. Yeah. Very, very, very close wordplay to an Ali Beth. I see what you're doing there with the conservatives. Oh. I know you're stirring the pot and creating some confusion, and I'm okay with it. Um, I love her. I'd love to have her on the podcast sometime. She's fantastic. Oh. And we're talking about Ali Beth Stucky she... here for the listeners. But uh... yeah. And She's then cool. uh, your your projects for, for the show and the organization. I had them up. A better podcast would have been ready with them. Are you posting? Oh, yeah. Are you posting? stories while we're doing this how do you do that I'm too old for no that. i don't think so you're like right at the lead on my stories and to a, oh, you say you're a conservative and then you're using kanye songs what's going on here um <laughs> so <laughs> ali bella on instagram uh yes. but then uh the freedom records is at the freedom Records. so that's the show that you've been working is there going to be more like you said season one so there's going to be more yeah content so we with just that. uh released episode four and we're getting ready episode five and there's 15 seasons so we're about a third of the way through wow that's awesome yeah very cool yeah and then uh, and then um yeah that's the show and then the organization's page is uh yas so y-a-a-s for young americans against socialism underscore america i like it and there's a little uh, there's even a little flag next to it in your bio right that's how you know you mean it well, seriously, go check those out. Go watch the show. Uh, go follow Allie. And uh, Becca mentioned you might be uh, considering a, a podcast of your own. Yes. Um, I'm, you know, in kind of the still the, you know, research and development phase. But I think we're actually going to record our first episode on Sunday. So nice. Have to stay tuned. Do you, a, yeah. do you have a name picked? We have a couple. We're not totally sure which way we're going to go, but I we're leaning towards the it's with my girlfriend, Sunny. And so it would be always right with Allie and Sunny. And it's kind of a play on words because we're obviously conservatives. Yeah. And uh, so just kind of a fun a fun name for that yeah well keep us posted we'll absolutely uh, promote it to both of our listeners which oh, will be we'll you. start you right off with two listeners right from the jump just our little <laughs> gift to you but no this has been awesome thank you so much everybody go go follow yeah. go listen uh, and of course listeners as always we appreciate you here on the solid seven podcast give the website a visit solid the number seven podcast.com there's always links to the most recent episodes and to uh, our affiliates at uh, go ruck and origin and jocko fuel and tuttle twins all that stuff all uh, a really cool way to support the podcast or if you just want to play and give us money instead of like a cut of some other purchase uh uh, links to Patreon are on there as well. And you can find our social media there too. So go and uh, check that out. Tell your friends, give us a follow, give us a rating, thumbs up, five star, whatever your app lets you do. It all helps. And uh, Allie, thanks again. And listeners, we'll see you next week. Or you'll hear me next week. Either way, <laughs> tune. <laughs>